Hello and welcome to the brand new official PlayStation Magazine podcast. We think this is episode four. It might be episode five. Uh, we didn't have a podcast last month, you might know. Uh, only we did. Uh, we couldn't put it out there because there were technical problems. Um, more on that later because we might have a little treat for you at the end of this podcast. We're going to go with episode four because I think it's that. Uh, I'm editor Matthew Pellet. I'm joined here by uh, almost all of Team OPM. Do they want to introduce themselves? I'm Dave Mikoham, the news editor. I'm Don Rosie Lincoln, the production editor. I am Phil Evanyuk, the games editor. Uh, that, that went better than usual. Like everyone knew who they were. Good, good. Wait, <laughs> that's a first. What, that's what practice does. And if, Mil, if you do a MILF impression, we can pretend MILF's here as well. I couldn't possibly. My voice has given up on me you as must it have is. A MILF impression. I, that's our do not want by to do that. By, by the way, let's qualify. Not an inappropriate <laughs> acronym. We should get yeah. We should get MILF down here sometime. He's um, some of our readers might remember him from the the PSN podcast. podcast. So. He's, he's got a good podcast anyway, I'm sure. Yeah, I, I I make it my goal to get him on at least once this year because uh, he's good value on the podcast, he's MILF. He's, yeah. I'd be good for a, post, a Metal Gear podcast mm. after we, when we do, the, I guess, the review issue podcast. That would be good. He knows he's not going to hear that, man. There you go. We'll, uh, we'll try and get him down for some MGS chat. Uh, right, we're going to kick off, as we always do, with what we're playing now. Who wants to go first and what are you playing? Everyone's looking at me. I've been playing uh, The Witcher 3, oh, Wild Hunt. You you reviewed somewhat, The Witcher 3, in yeah, fact, didn't you, Phil? Somewhat controversially. So, um, so you can't read or write. The, score, controversial. <laughs> the scores are out there now. So, yeah, so I gave it 8 out of 10, which is among the lowest Burn scores him. It's, uh, it's received. Uh, and there are a couple of reasons why I went with the 8 rather than a 9. Like I should say right off the bat that it is a fantastic game. It's of roughly the same caliber as The Witcher 2, which only came out on other platforms, um, but obviously earned itself uh, some well-deserved acclaim for that. So it's basically a fantastic story-driven um, adventure RPG that happens to be set in a quasi-open world <laughs> and suffers some, at times, pretty debilitating tech issues, um, which everyone's hoping will be patched out on PS4. Uh, before too long, but that's the the state of play. It's interesting it that nobody mentioned those tech issues, or very few people mentioned those tech issues. But you did. It's kind and of then this the game area, came out, and people are like, "Oh, there are all these tech issues." Like it's not. Like, it's not a, watch, it's not a watchdog's yeah. visual downgrade. Well, they're not not as severe. Not as that. certainly not. Definitely no, not no. severe. Um, uh, it's an interesting one. It's a grey area when you're reviewing a game because. Um, so often there will be some sort of performance issues somewhere, some bugs, some glitches, and quite often publishers or developers will assure you that there's a day one patch that's going to fix these things. Um, however, you're, that's you know that's what they're telling you. That's their assurance. They're aiming yeah. to um, fix them, but you know we have to review the game in the state that we're given. Um, and so yeah, I just I felt like in in good conscience I couldn't write six pages on The Witcher without mentioning that the combat really does suffer from from drop frames um, and you know sometimes not even like busy scenes like you're just walking along and the frame rate like drops visibly below 20 um, there's some pretty hilarious clipping as well which I actually didn't mind like I think it makes the game better when like the griffin turns up and it's this incredible majestic animal and there's a cutscene devoted to it and then it lands in your horse and it's just extruding from your horse at these obscene angles um so, you know, so 
that was a, a factor as well. And the other is that it, it's been billed as this um, this enormous open world game. There have been figures about it being 35 times bigger than the previous game. Um, uh, previous game's areas all combined and it's so much bigger than Skyrim. It's in actuality... It's times smaller than Shrewsbury. Which okay. is something I've just invented. Shrewsbury. It's probably correct. Okay, it's definitely not correct. <laughs> Bandai lawyers don't. Yeah, don't we'll it's not. It's categorically <laughs> incorrect what Mix has just said. Don't um, worry. So, in actuality, how it works is um, there's one big area that accommodates two big cities, a few villages, and, and things like that. And then there are other areas. There's the the whole island of Skellige, um, the royal palace of Azima, Camoan, the island of Skeletor, Skellige. Skelliger. A few key areas, like Skelliger is a really big environment in itself, uh, that aren't part of the same open world map. You can't travel there in real time, so you have to um, fast travel there, right? And like it sounds like a bit of a niggle, but I think it was it was an important point to mention because A, of the way the, the game was built, um, B, the other aspect of that is um, I didn't really feel like I was being distracted by any cool stuff going on as I was riding from A to B. Like it, it is um Velen, the, the main area, it is a really big space. Um and there's plenty of great scenery. There's plenty of lush vegetation. There are marshlands and forests and villages and things like that. But I think the mark of a good open world game and, and not just a, a sandbox game, but any open world game, is that you're distracted by something on the way to where you want to go. There's a certain word you're looking for. It begins with E and ends Emergent. With e. Yeah, there the it is. The game journalist's favorite word, emergent. Um, and I didn't find that there was a whole lot of emergent gameplay. I, I mean, in truth, I, I struggled to find much value in that huge space beyond it being incredible scenery that you can ride around on, uh, you know, like a kind of fantasy Red Dead. Um, so I thought those were important points to make. Some people on the internet... Um, vocalised their disagreement with me a number of days before the game was out, so make of that what you will. Um, however, fantastic game, really recommend it, um, particularly in the long run. Like, I think there's enough pressure on CDP that they will do their very best to get it running um, at the very best standard on PS4. In the long term, it's a great, a great thing that The Witcher exists on our platform, um, but there were a couple of problems with it that I think, had it just shy of an eye. I think it's such a shame that 8 out of 10 is perceived to be a bad score by it is, certain people when it's really not for us it's a it's a really good score so the, other, the other thing is the um like the day one stuff as phil said like we here at opm we don't review things and understand there are promises that things might be fixed when it comes out and review accordingly we review things as they are when we play it we report on the experience that we have not the experience that we expect it to become if a patch does or doesn't arrive and unfortunately that's just how gaming is in this generation and to a large extent a lot of last gen as well uh, for all of the great advances that PS3 and P PS4 have brought with us like brought with them sorry uh, in terms of online functionality there is this whole day one patch culture that has emerged uh, mm. from that from the flames and sadly when code is sent out uh, it's either going to be early and we're told there's going to be day one patches yeah. or it's very, very late, which is why uh, only in exceptional circumstances we'll have reviews super early before a game is out. In most cases, we are out with our reviews after uh, the game is released. And that is not because we're being lazy, because we're not chasing things up. It's either because we've, we've made a decision not to review a game early because the state of code we're expecting versus the state that they're promising it's going to become is just... You know why 
play a game and review it if it's supposed to be an entirely different game a week later. Or a lot of publishers don't want to send code out because they don't want anyone to review it off code that hasn't been patched. And typically day one patches are being worked upon, worked on like right up until release. Uh, so, so that's unfortunate. It's a, as great as this gen last gen has been. Uh, sadly, that's one situation where uh, where it means we can't review things as early as we we could have done in the past. But the good news is our new website, gamesradar.com forward slash OPM, we can put reviews up there before the next issue's out. So Phil's Witcher Review, uh, as you might have gathered, have, if you not already seen it, uh, is already up on that website and was up as soon as it was finished, in fact. Um, and it won't be in print for another few weeks. But uh, keep your eyes on gamesradar.com forward slash OPM for more reviews earlier than the mag. I'm expecting someone else to jump in now. And then the podcast. And they're all looking down. <laughs> Come on, guys, what have you been playing? Uh, you better let Dom go next, because I was also going to talk about The Witcher, so to give the readers oh, a slight, a slight, a slight oh, right. palate cleanser, which, interesting enough, I discovered I've been spelling wrong a lot in the mag. Well, obviously not in the finished mag, but when it was getting through what, the, the later seconds of the mag. <laughs> is this is like the, the, the older uh, 1866. Palette, no, I've been discovering I've spelt palette. Uh, incorrectly a few times recently so that's been Bro, corrected after it's passed me so. Um, so yeah to me um, unfortunately a lot of the games I've been playing recently have not been based in the world of Playstation well let's, dot, uh, let's move on to Dave Dave what are you playing <laughs> but you've been playing Darksiders 2 right yeah yeah Darksiders 2 I've been playing a couple of things I've been the start of the year, like I said to myself, made a promise of like, I need to play more games. And it sounds like a really silly thing to say working on a games magazine, but sometimes outside of your professional responsibilities, you don't always like sit down with a game in your own time and like, you know, get used to it, lose yourself inside of it. And I've, oh, I've got a pile of shame that's like bigger than a house right now. I've got to try and get back into it. Um, and one of those games was Darksiders 2, which I started when it first came out. And I was like, I love the first one. When I play the second one, I like loads of things. I, I spend an hour and a half in it, and then something else catch my, like a magpie and a bit of silver <laughs> on the ground. I'm just away again. Um, so went back into Darksiders 2, and it's such... I can see the issues people had with it when it first came out, but like it is the closest you're going to get to like a Zelda-like game outside of a Nintendo console in terms of like the, 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 the mixture Apart from of... Ockamy. Huh? Apart from Ockamy, but other than that. Ockamy. I've never played a Kami. Oh, man. Get the HD version on PS3. It's one of those things I've never got around to playing. Is that you see a Kami? Okami. Okami. I thought it was a Kami. Yeah, I think. I say Okami, but actually it's Okami. Yeah, like the A is hardly pronounced. That's terrible. Not played it and I can't say it right. Well, the pile of shame just got bigger, Don. It just got even bigger. It's a shame. Yeah, but it's it's nice to kind of like realise that there's so many things going on. There's the adventuring, it's the open world of it. There's some great, there's actually a really good script inside of it as well, which I, I, I expected kind of like a silly kind of side story, but there is like a fun little grand fantastical story going on. And it's a shame that the series, we don't know if it's dead. We're assuming that it's, it's at least on hold. Didn't City Interactive or someone buy it? I wish I kind of... Is it Nordic? Nordic? Nordic. 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 No, sorry, it's Nordic. Nordic. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Nordic games. And I'm not sure if that's anyone from the original team, um, but... I'd love to see that come back because there there are ideas there to take on. It's just it's a very fun. It reminds me a lot of um. Well, Joe Ma- Joe Mad's gone off to do battle chasers again, hasn't he? Oh yeah, really? Okay, so that might kind of lead to something. Then. The two review scores in the history of OPM I most stringently disagree with are one Spec Ops Line getting six out of ten, which is just that was far great. too low, and the other one is Darksiders, which the original Darksiders, which I also loved. Uh, discovered about a year after the fact when it went on the PS Plus. Um, thought it was fantastic. Again, it was a very good Zelda impersonator. 
um, and it had like elements of Portal and God of War as well. And we gave it the original six at a time. Just gave it a page and like completely dismissed it. It's funny. It does have a divisive quality, and it, it definitely has a fan base. I remember a reader called me up once who was ecstatic that they just got the Dark Siders two special edition with the mask, mm-hmm. and just were pleased as punch. Um, <laughs> So, yeah, I, I think that you get talking with people and it seems like a sort of guilty pleasure that they slip in once they... I like Darksiders. I was a big fan of the first one. I did... I've even reviewed the second on Games Master back when mm. I was on the map. I can't remember now, but, um, yeah, great great couple of games. I think the second one did have a couple of thoughts like you alluded to, but, mm. yeah, I think it was a very, very competent Zelda-like. Yeah, I think there's a lot of games from, like, especially from the last generation with it now being kind of drawing to a close. There's just so many little gems and stuff. I was about to, like, make reference to Kings of Amalur, that kind of... Oh, Kingdoms Amalur. of Amalur. Reckoning. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and that, that thing that came out just before Mass Effect 3, and I loved it. I had such a fun... They were, yeah, there were problems, but, like, there were so many great things about that game, and it just just died the, um, it's not a bad game at all it's just yeah, bad I think timing just Bethesda's um, senior designer was it Todd Stashwick have I made that name up no, no that's the actor that was involved that's the actor that was involved that, oh that's the Uncharted voice Uncharted actor, 4 is now involved in the Star Wars game yeah, yeah. Oh, that, yeah. Wars that's what so I that is definitely not the okay it's Todd somebody he went over from Bethesda Softworks to um to the Kingdoms of Amalur Studio, what were they called? It was the, it's a baseball term, isn't it? Because it was the, the baseball players. The Doctor Studio was in points by the second here. Yeah. I know. <laughs> it was the Rhode Island. Was Rhode Island's <laughs> only uh, development studio? But it had like yeah, and it, it went bust straight after. Oblivion. It had um, yeah. So there was basically there was a lot of Elder Scrolls mechanics in it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and yeah, mechanically it was really really fluid and really interesting. There was like quite a deep crafting and alchemy system. There was a fair bit of character. It looked a little bit like Barney the Dinosaur of, of RPGs. Very war- in like Warcraft-esque. There's a lot of, yeah, there's a lot of happy clappy colours and like butterflies flying around and like quaint little villages, which maybe maybe that was the detriment. Maybe that's what kept people at arm's length to it. But actually, it was a really capable RPG. It's a shame that it didn't find an audience. And it had really good combat as well. Like a, a, a thing yeah. that RPGs sometimes fall down a lot of time is very weak or very basic combat. It had great combat. Really intuitive as well. But again, just... The key point is no one has been playing this game recently. And thus, we've crashed off the rails spectacularly. Good, good point, Dave. On the first 15 Come minutes then, you, of the You've been playing Witcher. Uh, Tell us I'm, oh, this will sound really petty because um, I was playing The Witcher last night. And, you know... It will sound ungrateful for a game of like the Witcher's breadth and you know the the variety of things there are to do in the world, and it is you know very visually impressive. I was actually watching a comparison video this morning comparing the PC version of Ultra settings with the PS4 version, and the PS4 version like stood up remarkably well. Essentially, it's almost a, a light for like port of the PC version of Ultra settings, barring like the ambient occlusion isn't quite as good. But apart from that. Same quality of textures, same variety of mm, I'd, density. I'd, I'd of, qualify saying quality well, of textures. I think there is a definite well, it, discrepancy it's, there. It's up there. I mean, it's a very decent shake. Same basic density of foliage and draw distance, except, you know, obviously 30 frames a second, which occasionally dips to 20 odd rather than okay. 60. Um, but the, my big problem I really have with The Witcher, I really hate the way Geralt moves. Like, he. It's, it's very mechanically unsatisfying. Everyone's like he, talking about like they don't like the way he moves. He, Is that much of a thing? Yeah, I, I like me like it's because it's the core way you you interact with a game. It's like the main input for. But I've been being looking at the a game. Like him. if I don't like the mechanics or some co- some controls, then it's it's literally dead to me. Like I can't. 
It's, it's one of the reasons I love Metal Gear so much is because like Snake, especially in Ground Zeroes, and I think Matt will probably agree on the Phantom Pain what he he's played is oh spoilers spoilers <laughs> um, that's a little teaser just you know like Snake has like full true analog control this is something that games have been enjoying since like Mario sixty four to Wonder Grinner so incredibly supple expressive animation transitions from slow walk to slightly faster walk to jog to sprint and everything in between. Gerald is simply, I'm walking, I'll push the stick a little bit faster. Oh, no, I'm absolutely full sprinting. Oh, so um, it's not the animation, it's more the, the Well, the no, so it's, it's both the feedback and animation. Like, there's what, no what if like, I told you that in Phantom Pain, Snake moves like he's shat his pants? Would that instantly <laughs> kill the game? <laughs> he waddles all the way through. If he moves this, this is in the same way as Ground Zeroes, it's fine, because I love the way he moved in Ground Zeroes. Um, but Gerald does also move like he has shat his pants. But um, it's just... He's, the the turn of his gate is far too wide. I was talking about this with Phil this morning, like because it's a very complex environment. And there are loads of like little thickets and fences and stones to try and negotiate around that when the character has such a wide tur- turning circle is really quite awkward. Um, and it just it doesn't feel there's enough finesse of control. It feels like it'd be fine on a keyboard and mouse, but it just doesn't translate that well onto a pad. And his horse is the same. Like Red Dead, the horses are brilliant. The fact that if you knock them up against something, they'll automatically jump over or they'll reposition themselves. This, the horses are immediately getting stopped at every turn by like little tiny like fences or things, which really breaks up the film and traversal. And it's a shame because in other ways, the world is just like gorgeous. Like I think it's got some of my favourite trees I've ever seen in a game. Like everything blows <laughs> in the wind. That's the most boring I get, I get, thing I've ever seen. I get excited like, now. It's just like everything blows in the wind and it's quite soothing. Um, and I like the idea of like going after monsters and really having to do like a bit of detective work to root them out like the original, like the first Griffin hunt. But yeah, I don't like the way he moves. So. What, what's your favourite tree in a game? <laughs> oh man, it's not... And we're, we're PlayStation so I you know, cannot say a certain N64 game. Freaking Deku tree. Um, There's some pretty interesting trees in um, Deadly Premonition, as I remember. Do you like the tree that you can climb in the tower in Destiny? Is that one of your favourite PlayStation trees? I think my favourite. Metal Gear Solid 3's got some good trees. (laughs) No, no, no. no. I didn't say trees. I said single tree. Single tree. Okay, there's uh, a very, very early on. It's in the Virtuous Mission. It's one of the first (laughs) open areas. It's just, I think it's just, it's the area directly before the big rope bridge. Um, that Snake fights the boss on. This is how much I know. Is there is no ironic smile in his face as he says this. The fir- it's one of the first trees where you can actually properly scale and you can, can you climb, climb it and you can hang off its branch and like one-handed like shoot guards off where you're hanging from okay. the branch. So that's my favourite tree. Don, what's your favourite tree in place? I can't history. recall any trees from games. I think I have one. Yeah. I, I came across it really recently. It's in um, Everybody's Gone to the Rapture. Um, there's oh, a kid's yeah. treehouse up a tree and it's like it's definitely the most detailed treehouse I've ever inhabited in a game <coughs> it's also got the world's so most go. detailed pub as well isn't it oh I don't know if it's the world's mo- there's some pretty detailed pubs out there however it was built in a weekend just before um, I got to go hands on with it because basically the um, the Chinese room in their internal playtesting they found that everybody who was walking through the village wanted to go to the pub they saw the pub they tried the door they were really disappointed that they couldn't go through the door because the interior wasn't finished yet Right. so they thought Everyone's going to really want to see the pub. So the the, um, the level designer spent a weekend, 48 hours, getting this pub interior up and functional. And it's it's incredible how they managed to implement that in such a short amount of time. Awesome. Uh, so as Dave 
kind of suggested. Smaller. I have been playing Metal Gear Solid Five: The Phantom Pain, and that's all I can really say. Uh, other than look out for the issue that comes out 5th of June because we have 16 pages of hands-on opinion and I really can't say any more because I will be in breach of an NDA. So apologies for that little tease. If you actually look back at Twitter on the... When was I out there? Anyone? Uh, does anyone know the dates? About the, it would have been the fif- late teens. 15? Yeah. So I don't even know you what the date is now. the 13th, didn't you? I okay. think it was the 13th or the 17th, something like that. Okay, so 15th or 16th, whichever the Friday was, you'll see a handful of tweets. I was allowed to tweet for 30 minutes, but the brilliantly, the Wi-Fi connection kept dropping out. So there were <laughs> only a few tweets uh, of my experience of a, of a certain mission, uh, the mission that I was on at the time, which, ironically, uh, I'm not allowed to talk about in the piece because uh, oh. it was too far in. I got too far. Ah. Um, but anyway, I literally can't say any more. Well, so we can, we can say at that. least that you were basically let loose, like... For two days straight to go wherever you wanted and do whatever you wanted to do, which is really I exciting to me. I'm that. not really a Metal Gear person. I didn't say that, but yes. <laughs> uh, so you just let's, Thanks for. But let's move on. But yeah, fifth of June, uh, the MGS Five issue. It's super, super exciting. It's one of the biggest features we've done. There's a lot of stuff in it. Um, Shall we move on to some PlayStation news? Let's do it. What's been happening uh, in the world of PlayStation? Uh, the guys have brought some news, apart from news editor Dave, <laughs> who has no news. There is no news for news there editor is no news. Dave. News today, only old. Dom, do you want to kick off? Yes. You've got um, some news. So, news um, as of today, not the day you're listening to this, but certainly a recent day. Um, Hell Raid, which was a uh, first-person action RPG, I believe with four-player co-op um, from Techland, has been put back to the drawing board. Um, there was stuff out there. We, I certainly, I'm not sure if anyone had any hands-on with it, but it, certainly there were videos out there of walkthroughs of it. It looked fairly generic in terms of that kind of genre. Well, I had a 20-minute behind-closed-doors demo of it E3 last really? year. So last June, I went to play Dying Light for about half hour, and then I had almost half hour with Hell Raid hands-off this time. Um, it looked all right, actually. Like, mm. I think just the... Yeah, it's all dungeon based. So imagine like the Elder Scrolls and you go into a dungeon, you you know, fight things down there for 30 minutes and you pop back up and start exploring the world a bit more. It was kind of like just the dungeons of Elder Scrolls multiplied, like just more and more dungeons. Right. At so least like that's a- how it came across in the demo. Uh, it looked very nice. They just like put it on a new engine, actually. Um, and there were definitely elements that were dying lightish about it, uh, but it seemed quite competent. <coughs> <coughs> In fact, I remember walking out thinking that was better than I was thinking it was going to be. For a game with but a name like Hell Raid, expectations but are really yeah, if, if a game's called Hell Raid and it looks a bit like... What was that game? Uh, was it like Might and Magic Dark Messiah or something? I can't remember, but games of that ilk where it's like, well, that's just... There's, yeah. there's a cap of how many people are, are ever going to be interested in this and it's never yeah. going to break through that cap. Yeah. You sort of fear for its chances on a mainstream level to really grab people's attention mm. and i think like that was the biggest problem with it it was just that it wasn't going to get that mainstream success yeah but as a game it seemed quite cool from from what i saw yeah and i think it had problems before i think it, it was really slated for last gen i think the last gen versions got canned yeah yeah it did yeah and it got like you said the upgrade to, a, to another version stuff i think it got delayed a few times i mean it's quite a shame really but i think it's we're seeing it more often now aren't we kind of games kind of getting pushed back and stuff and maybe not to this extent of back to the drawing board but i guess a thing now of, of announcing games so early in the, in the 
development cycles that <coughs> that need to update orders of what's happening and stuff that it could have been a time many years ago where a game could have been canned and no one would have known about it because it was done internally and I think it was really talked about but now because of that need to like cultivate pre-orders and get that brand association out there that if these things fall through people need to know about it it could almost kill a game outright really couldn't it it's an interesting thought, but yeah, hell right. Shut the front door, I actually do have some news. I've got oh, a wow. new story. Well, you just made one up. No, no, well, <laughs> I've not made it up. It's just sprung in, sprung like a thing that springs forth in your mind. I can't think of an analogy. because it's like, a like a leak, like a water it's leak, spree- a terrifying actually, leak yeah, of like, water. Like the leak in my current flat, which has gone through is my it, ceiling three springing? times in the last... Um, Have you got water coming into your flat? Yeah, on the, in the ceiling in the living room. We're back oh. on Mixy Water Corner. <laughs> uh, it's, it's if you every, could replace, every day is hydrophobia. It's just, it's just awful. There's little drip. If you could replace the water that's leaking into your flat with another substance, what like would you replace it with? Delicious, delicious oasis. The drink, the soft drink for those who do not like the taste of water. By, by, by oasis. By the way, is it just me or about 20 minutes ago, did the sun just like fall into a hole? Oh, and yeah. I sort of mm. feel like I need night vision goggles in this room now. Things have changed dramatically. It's still incredibly warm, though, so that's good. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. As, as we said before we went on there, the air is thick with men. <laughs> Did, Did we, we say, say that? that? Or? Dom said it. Yeah, it was. Thick, thick with men. Thick okay. with men. We said, that's the official. I thought, oh, wow. come on, that's got to be quote for the uh, the podcast page in the mic. Well, it thick might be men. now. Now you've got to Anyway, news. It's good um, that that's on record. Rockstar are suing the BBC, or they've opened up litigation over the... Uh, upcoming BBC drama uh, which dramatises like the rise of Grand Theft Auto and kind of covers the Hauser brothers and their dispute with Jack Thompson. Apparently they've tried to contact the BBC on several occasions and it sounds like they've had no luck. Um, so this film has been made with zero input from Rockstar which does seem less than ideal. Um, Daniel Radcliffe is down to play Sam Hauser and I always get my bills mixed up. Paxton. 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 Is that pa- right? Pullman is the one from Independence Day. Paxton is the one from... Paxton's Game Over, man. It's definitely yeah. not Paxman, it's Paxton. Yeah, so ta- <laughs> Titanic... Jeremy no, Paxton. Paxton. <laughs> Titanic, <laughs> Mighty Joe Young, Aliens, uh, is down to play Jack Thompson. Um, so that's causing a little bit of a stink. So whether that'll put that uh, documentary, which I guess is it's, it's kind of more of a dramatisation than a documentary, whether that puts that in any jeopardy remains to be seen but also kind of ties in there are GT news this week that is there was a 2k investment. well you've got two lots of news well, you've gone from no news to two I've got, I've got, I, feel, I feel guilty now I've got to, I've got to pad the news um, there was a 2k investor call um, where 2k seemingly forgot about the fact that rock Steady was supposed to be making Rockstar, Star. Rockstar, Rocksteady. That would really be used. So Rocksteady is making some uh, GTA DLC, fresh off Batman with Batman in it. <laughs> Confirmed in the buy that. Um, but yeah, uh, team. apparently the someone asked them about the uh, single player GTA Five DLC. To which point they sounded a bit flummoxed, and then it was well, Rocksteady. Rockstar. Oh, Rockstar. I went through exactly the same thing with the Order 1886 where I said the Order 1868. To, to be fair, you have just written year. quite a lot on Batman. I know, it's new just maybe, issues, maybe so, it's a yeah. But anyway, Rockstar. So Todd Stashwick said what? Todd, <laughs> Todd Stashwick said that Rockstar basically announced things when they announced them. Um, so yeah, that's kind of... I mean, I wouldn't say it's necessarily cast in doubt, but it definitely would be interesting if there are any upcoming announcements on that because you look at... You know, GTA Five has been out in the wild, the PS3 version, sort of for about eighteen months now, and I think if you can compare the same time period after Four came out, we'd already had the Battle of the Gay Tony and the Lost and the Damned, 
So I know obviously they've been doing high strategy online and that's had not an additional content, but it's it's interesting there hasn't been any any word of it yet because you know Los Santos is mm. such a sprawling map. There's there's certainly plenty of space and characters for it. So be interesting if there are any announcements about around E3 time. Who knows? Maybe. Phil. So to no one's surprise and a few people's relief, Need for Speed is back. Um, from Ghost Games, they're rebooting the franchise possibly for the second time, possibly for more than the second time. Um, so I, I thought we got out of this habit of things just being called what the original game was called. It, yeah, like, was a, a few years ago, there was a real spate of like Prince of Persia, Tomb Raider. Right. And I, th- I thought we'd everything had been done and they got out of their system. But it seems that enough time has passed for that cycle to start afresh like once more the ones so the, that were rebooted are re- being rebooted yeah the next team radio will just be called team radio again <laughs> just team um, or raider so the idea behind this reboot is that um need for speed as it was on last gen and uh, even as far as rivals on ps4 was such a many tentacle beast there was a sort of the sim side of things that slightly mad was working on um there was rivals prior to that there was hot pursuit one and two it was pretty confusing. They all had different focuses. So the idea from Ghost Games is to focus on the core of Need for Speed. And according to Ghost Games, that is delivering a narrative experience. Oh, come on. No, it's not. <laughs> it's car not. customization and a focus on like authentic urban car culture, whatever that might be. I'd agree with maybe... I'd agree with the last one. I wouldn't ever associate Need for Speed with a lot of car customization, and I'd strongly, vehemently disagree with the first one. Does everyone, anyone, come on? Well, the it, run, it, well, it run. Dep- no, it depends. Like the run was very different compared with like the uh, the early Need for Speed games where you had the little CG videos, or no, in fact, Which they actually had like. actresses like in yeah, there was some Kelly live action one stuff. of them and stuff. Yeah, yeah like cover star one. Because before Need for Speed became respectable, I think like back in the days when Need for Speed was the guaranteed number one Christmas game for mm. like four years in a row, that, that's when it was doing all that stuff. And I would say that's like a narrative focus in inverted commas. Maybe that's what they're alluding to. I think probably that's the case. Uh, and I'd say car customization ties into that as well. Like to me. The pinnacle of that of that series was um, Underground One and Two. Those are the games that let you slap the neons on and the like forty inch rims and like the wide body kits and the carbon bonnets. And I don't think really, I mean, there's always been a ton of car customization in in um, Gran Turismo, but a lot of it has been number crunching, like you're buying a new air filter and um, and getting some horsepower out of it, uh, uh, like. Underground 1 and 2 really pushed the idea of slapping decals on your car and flip-flop paint jobs and things like that. And you'd end up with this monstrosity that was reasonably unique um, because you'd spent you know, all your credits in-game um, on, on just destroying this Audi TT and making it look like Exhibit's fever dream. The, um, you know what the trailer reminded me of? It was a combination of Kick-Ass and Nightcrawler. It was that like found footage kind of theme of, you know, like someone like recording a legal street race and then uploading it to YouTube and it becoming a massive sensation and like inspiring other racers and whether it's anything like that or not remains to be seen but that's kind of the vibe I picked up in that really short CG trail. Well like I understand people's um, hesitations about the narrative focus side of things but like whatever missteps the Need for Speed games have made over the years and there have been a few like production values have usually been pretty rock solid like you won't really play a slicker arcade racer in terms of like menus even 
and you know cutscenes. The, the whole experience, the usability of that franchise has been absolutely tip top, and that's why it's achieved like so many sales, so many Christmas number ones. Um, and on on a personal level, I'm really into the idea of car ownership in a game. Um, it's been something that the the whole genre um, has been moving away from. You know, you kind of just you unlock a car. It's available for you to use in a race, but you don't really take ownership of it. You don't have any customization of it. Um, so I'm completely behind this new focus of you know buying a car, taking it through the ranks. You know, rather than just unlocking an exotic, you've got the option to take some beaten up old 80s hatchback, spend a bit of money on it, and get it up to the performance level of the exotics. You know, um, so yeah, that's coming out uh, this autumn. So. Interesting. Quite exciting, I think. We'll wait and see um, at E3, where I would imagine mm. we'll be playing it. Uh, so, <clears throat> as we normally do at this point in the podcast, we'll just very briefly talk about the issue that is on sale right now. In fact, we'll, we'll talk more than just briefly. We'll perhaps give you a bit of deeper insight into a few things that are in the mag. Um, if you go to the shops, it's in a nice black wallet with Call of Duty Black Ops 3 staring at you and a man with a very shady crotch area. Uh, is is sitting very proudly uh, on, on the front of the wallet this month and there's uh, a lot of black and yellow going on. Uh, at the top bar you'll see it says there's a free PS4 decal uh, and this has been going down very, very well actually with the readers who have bought the issue so far. Uh, we have a PlayStation, our first ever PlayStation 4 decal uh, and it's of Metal, uh, Metal Gear Solid 5, if I can speak properly this time. Um, and... Who here has it on their PS4? I swear no one's put it on their PS4. I'll put it on my PS4. I think myself and Milf were possibly the first people to ever put that decal on a PS4. Wow. Because we got it, we got the sort of test ones back from the printer, slapped it on the work machine. <laughs> and it really does look great. You know, it's awesome. it, it really, it really, um, you still get that kind of the sheen uh, that, that comes through. Um, it's a, I'm, I was very impressed. <laughs> Silence from Dom and Meeks. Uh, thank, <laughs> thanks, guys. Maybe thanks, actually, guys. I, I watch because I, I travel with Scotland a lot, and usually have my PS3 in a bag. If I put the decal on it, it might look less like a bomb because I've had some problems with like getting my PS3 for P- PS3 for getting my PS4 through security at times. I've had to do like total. So most of the time it's fine, but a lot, a lot of the times, if you don't actually take it out and put it in like a tray. They, they're quite funny about it, so but maybe if it's got a decal on it, it'll look less. I'm, I'm quite concerned that, like, that our sticker sheet more. is now going to adorn what, what, bombs across what, the world. It's like something to see here, officer. If we, we, if, we, if we put a snake on this nail bomb, it'll look like it a might, It might look like some sort of propaganda with a scary looking man in a bow of clavel. Yeah, the guy with the eye patch and scar down his face. Maybe that won't help. Happiness. Anyway, it's, it's lovely. It is lovely. It's it is very good. good work by Mouth. So that uh, that comes free with the issue. Uh, obviously, Call of Duty is on the cover, unless you're a subscriber, in which case Star Wars Battlefront is on the cover. And it should surprise nobody to know that we have big features on both. We have the first ever hands-on with Call of Duty Black Ops 3, and that was done on PS3. I won't go into too much depth, but obviously so, if PS3. you... Sorry, no, it wasn't. That, that's <laughs> was wow. We've got the last <laughs> exclusive mitigation. It's our podcast is evidence. Right? It is so late on a Friday. Uh, that was done on PS4. And if anyone has been following Call of Duty in the last few years, you'll know that to go hands-on with PS4 first is quite unusual. So that was great. So we've got a 10-page feature on Call of Duty. Uh, it's... 
future again, <laughs> uh, but it's future in a different way to Advanced Warfare was future. So there's a lot of different features in COD now. I'm quite confused. There are. It's very Terminatory actually. There are lots of robots crawling at you with broken legs and stuff. It's uh, it's quite interesting. So give that a read. Uh, Star Wars Battlefront. Twelve pages on that. We uh, went to see it in action at the Star Wars Celebration. Uh, obviously, you've probably seen the uh, trailer that went out, but we went behind the scenes uh, with Dice. We've got an interview with Patrick back with the header that, you know what, MILF gets credit for this. And I'm telling you right now, this is the best pun of the issue. And that is... Da, 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 da. The Empire Strikes Back. Yeah! yeah. yeah. Well, done, well done, MILF. Well done, MILF. And then we have a... 10-page feature on The Witness. I played this, and I've spoken to Jonathan Blow about it, uh, and it's a very exciting PlayStation 4 indie game that was actually announced for PlayStation back when PS4 was announced. Yeah. Uh, that very first event in New York a couple of years ago. experience, yeah, but during yeah. February yeah. 2013. Yeah. Um, Jonathan Blow was on stage to show off The Witness. It's still not here. It's still being built. Uh, but normally, while that kind of time frame plus the three years beforehand that he was also working on it would fill you with dread and think oh there are issues there if you read my feature you'll hopefully get a sense that that's nothing to be worried about in fact it's very exciting that it's taken this long and i talk through why that might be the case and um talk with him and also dig up some quotes from when i talked with him uh five years ago as well because i talked with him at the very start of the project my first ever E3, um, well, four years ago, technically, because this is my fifth E3. Uh, so four years ago, and compare what he says then with what he's saying now, and it's it's quite fascinating when you do that, because a lot of what he predicted back then is, yeah, it's coming true. It's, uh, it's interesting that we we kind of <coughs> cultivate this, um, this attitude now that if a game's not out in, like, you know, a year after you first hear, hear about it, or two years, then there's trouble afoot, you know, because so many... Of the big games are annualized or almost annualized mm. now, but you know, really, like my favorite games have taken a long time to come out. You know, I think because well, the culture has swung a little bit, isn't it? I think generally now games are tend to be shown off a little bit further down the road in production, so there isn't well, certainly with the big annual franchises, there's very little weight. It's, it's you know, mm -hmm. see a trailer six months out, you, six months later, you buy it in the shops, but the days of you know. Again, being announced and it not being out for three or four years. I it guess should be encouraging. Like Metal, right? Metal Gear is still kind of like that, and GTA is still a little bit like that. But uh, you know, to me, it's a sign of quality. If a game's yeah. if a game's in development for for three years, unless it's being you know auctioned off from developer to developer, unless and it looks radically Guardian. different every <laughs> time you see it, isn't it? Um, you know, uh, then I you know I see it as a as a mark of quality. It makes me more excited, if anything. Uh, also in this issue, Phil, you played Guitar Hero Live. I did. I was pretty excited about it. I think everyone grew very, very bored of that genre. You know, Guitar Hero and, and Rock Band um, didn't help themselves out by releasing probably about 400 games between them in about a five-year span. Um, the reason I'm excited about this one is because of the redesign of the peripheral. So rather than there being just four buttons uh, in one row, there are now two rows of three buttons. Five buttons. Oh, yeah, there were five, weren't there? Yeah, because you had to try and get your pinky. Yeah. I played it really weird. Uh, I never used my little finger, so I had to slide my hand up and down yeah, the shaft. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> There's a quote. 
Uh, and I, where people um, on their right hand strummed up and down, I could only strum down. I couldn't strum up. Oh, so you so had to only, like button yeah, mash when yeah. you needed to do a solo. So, uh, and I, I could play most songs on expert still somehow. Despite wow, that. with a freaky technique. Yeah, so I'm really looking forward to this because I don't, my little finger's totally out of the equation. Yeah, it's you do only... not need to worry about the little finger anymore. So two rows, so it's effectively it's like a two-string guitar with three frets. So there's potential for chords now, uh, either as bar chords, so you both buttons on one row, if you follow. I kind of want to be showing someone while, <laughs> while I'm talking about this. Um, or, you know, it basically opens up, it's a different challenge and it feels more actually like playing guitar than it did, and I think that's what reinvigorates the excitement because of the shaft. You, <laughs> you know, you that that's the 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 core experience of the game is feeling like you're actually playing the solo, like tricking yourself into feeling like you're playing the solo, tricking your friends into it. Like the idea of forming chords is really cool. Yeah, and uh, you know, it the the programming has always been so spot on in Guitar Hero, like the rhythms that it's never note for note. Like occasionally an expert. A few of the runs in the rhythm parts will be note for note. Mm -hmm. So if you if you're a guitarist and like you know the song, then you you know the strumming pattern, then it'll be note for note. But um, here, it, you know, the, it just opens up a whole new world of programming um, to just really feel like you're fretting the right chords and stuff. Like it's it's not Rocksmith. It's not going to teach you guitar, um, but it is going to make you feel a lot more like you know a rock god or a folk god or a hip hop god. I think there's a a bit, a bit of a wider breadth of genres in this one. I don't think they've released the full track list oh, yet. Do not associate hip hop no. with guitars. No. Well, there's um, "Seed" by The Roots. That's like oh, a really yeah, I like that song. iconic yeah, I really guitar like hip hop song. song. Yeah. Um, I don't think that's in this game. <laughs> <laughs> Skrillex is okay, though. Got, you got my up there. Somehow, which one is it? I think it's "Bangarang." There is no guitars in "Bangarang," but that that's in there. So they're trying to, you know, oh, get away you really from. Think of hook. It's not like your uncle's vinyl collection. Like there are some content. There's Ed Sheeran and Marilyn Manson and. God, um, so yeah, it's 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 exciting and and there's also like a live action um, presentation style now. So you're kind of watching a gig via a GoPro of a guitarist. Um, production values are. It looks like it was expensive to do that. Mm. <laughs> so elsewhere in the issue, we also uh, have our first look at Deus Ex: Mankind Divided on PS4. Um, can anyone else hear a phone? I can hear a dial here? tone. Is that in here? I think it's yeah. Sorry if that's coming through the mics. We're people, quite near the human uh, resources team at Future yeah. Publishing here. So, yeah. uh, We have, there's the phone again. That's really going to put me off. Uh, we have Lego Dimensions. Uh, Dom, how much money are you going to spend on Lego Dimensions? Oh. For people who don't know, it's, it's basically Skylanders or Disney Infinity. It's a Lego version of that with let's tick off what's in it so we've got um back to the oh if we're talking about puns of the month how did michael j F uh, michael j blocks <laughs> lose out to milf that's pretty good uh, so good. back to the future is going to be in it we know the simpsons is going to be in it we know portal is going to be in it jurassic world doctor Ju who jurassic world story doctor it? who no oh. that's disney um, oh. that's a really loud phone that's definitely got to be coming through the mics so so sorry if we anyone apologize. picks it up that's uh, awesome <laughs> we, we've got paper thin it's the fourth member of OPM the new robot fourth wait fifth wait sixth <laughs> <laughs> we're not good with numbers oh, two of us off oh, man. Um, to come back to that point Dom 
How much money are you going to spend on Lego dimensions? Oh, and bear in mind, you can get, give yourself an out by telling people you have children at this point. So it, I, all that Lego could be for your children. Oh, Lord I, of the Rings, Wizard of Oz, DC Comics. Wizard, Wizard of, Oz. of Oz is a strange one. Yeah. Isn't it? <laughs> Who's that going to Dorothy DLC you've been waiting seven years for. <laughs> <laughs> My only worry is like it's, you have to build the portal and all the things out of Lego and stuff. And they're like, if that's that sounds great. If you lose the bits though, mm. then like essentially your portal could be just like the chip on like a stand or like your Batmobile was just the chip on a little podium. Like it's going to be a difference here between the kids that just want to enjoy playing with a mini Batmobile to the parents want to like, no, I want to put the thing fully formed on the portal rather than just this little stand with one little. So thing it's going to encourage you to be Lord Business. It will be sure business for me pulling all those things away from the kids. One of my children is like one, so he'll definitely want to try and grab anything that you can oh, pull there's apart. Some, there's <laughs> Michael J. Fox eating. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. But yeah, yeah, I'm I'm worried about with Skylanders um, in whatever form it arrives in. Uh, the new Star Wars Disney Infinity, which oh my god, the money I'm going to lose on that. That's the one that's no, got Toy Story in it, right? One of these games. Yeah, has got Toy well, that's, Story. that's the Disney thing. Infinity. Yes. Disney Infinity okay. Edition. Yeah, that does make sense because obviously right now we, with having the kind of Lego Marvel thing, they can't cross over because it's it's a Warner Brothers game. If you own DC, you can't have those two characters, those two universes together. So obviously that'll be a separate thing. But. Yeah, lots of money to be destroyed. She's got children to feed, though. That means, you know, they'll have to start eating and all in their days again. She earns more money than me. It's fine. <laughs> Lego it. studs, right? That, they're nutritional. Children, yeah, well, they're they're children. Them. We're having Dot Brown for tea one tonight. Kid, one kid eats a night, it's fine. <laughs> Uh, we've got loads of money issue I'm not going to go through it all because it's out now and some of you listening might already have pitched it up just a couple of final things very quickly ukulele is in it we were the first well edited a thing a couple of months earlier but they didn't have anything on the game we've got the first yeah, look at ukulele the, the actual game Some nice screen which so you good. did Dave yes so I did an interview with Playtonic and there were a lovely bunch of chaps they're all ex-rear staffers um, and they've got like a combined hundred years experience in the business it's worth saying like we're all obviously on a playstation mag we haven't yet in the world of playstation been able to talk about rare as a company they were mm. formerly nintendo and then moved over to microsoft and they've made some amazing games they made uh banjo kazooie um golden eye perfect dark obviously banjo kazooie is the one i called up first because this new game is very much a spiritual successor to Banjo-Kazooie. So if there are any Banjo fans there, well, you know what? You haven't up until now had a chance to play that on PlayStation, but hopefully in Ukulele, the new kick-started game, and it's a world record-breaking record uh, Kickstarter for yeah. the UK. So maybe a UK record-breaking <laughs> <laughs> Kickstarter, yeah. I should have said. Outside of games um, as well, that's just a, across any Kickstarter project. It's, it's I'm, I'm delighted for them. They're a thoroughly nice bunch of chats, and I'm very very excited for this game because it's one genre I think it's so it's just completely right for a return yeah. you know, we, we, the 3D platformer as we kind of know it that you know hasn't really existed in Playstation arguably since PS1 like it almost went out with Ape Escape because Jack and Daxter and Ratchet and Clank were never that traditional 3D platform. They I'd always say had the a lot first one was the closer. Was maybe, like maybe the precursor legacy, but then you know after that Jack went Definitely in a different direction. After. So it's it's very exciting. So yes, I'm looking forward to. And we've got some exclusive. It's worth saying, right? We do have some proper exclusive stuff in this in this piece, such as before uh, he was a chameleon. Is it Yuka who's the chameleon, or is yeah, it Layli? Layli's the bat. Layli's the bat. Yeah. So before Yuka was a chameleon, he, he was, was a actually tiger. a tiger. Yeah. We've, We've got, got a, a picture. little sketch of the tiger. 
and uh, and a couple more little uh, info snippets about the game as well. So definitely check that out. And finally, a big shout out to Xavier Woods from the New Day of WWE, who I met up with at WrestleMania. New Uh, Day. Hey, New Day rocks, guys. Uh, He he talked about his PlayStation obsession, uh, and he gave his shout out on Twitter, actually. He put the page up and the cover, and uh, yeah, he's a fan of it. He actually is a subscriber to OPM. He's a, a good friend of the Mac. I'm now maintaining much. that makes OPM part tag champs and part of the New oh, Day. Oh, oh, oh. We're the unofficial fourth member of the New Day. That's a very, very good point. Perhaps I feel like when you guys start talking about Destiny. <laughs> what is this? Phase out, the you? New Day? What is um, a New Day? <laughs> What's so, what is a Xavier? So that's the issue that's currently out. Next issue, uh, we've already teed it up a little bit. Uh, Metal Gear Solid 5 is on the cover, 16 pages, hands on. Very exciting. That's all we can say about Metal Gear Solid Five. Uh, what else is an issue? I've got it here in front of me because we. Uh, oh, I didn't say. Oh, now's the time. <laughs> Pass through the deadline, anus. Whee! Uh, that's that's, <laughs> <laughs> that's closed up oh for another moment. <laughs> Turning rectum. How could I forget? It's my favourite thing. My favourite body part of OPM. Uh, so things that we've got in this issue that's on sale fifth of June. Uh, Assassin's Creed Syndicate. Uh, we've been there to see it, which is very exciting. Uh, Tony Hawk Pro Skater 5. We've chatted to Rihanna Pratchett about Overlord. Uh, we have... Um, I definitely can't talk about that no. game because that hasn't been announced. <laughs> uh, there's a, there's a really cool announcement. Uh, in fact, it, th- there's a game that we've announced in the mag that was actually on the wallet. And because it was so close to whether it would or wouldn't be able to be in the mag, we might have to pull it. I had to take it off the wallet, so... We'll talk about it when we can, uh, but sadly, it's not going to be on shelves because we didn't even know if we were going to be able to talk about it. I probably said too much. Uh, Batman, final hands-on with <coughs> Batman Arkham Knight. In fact, we've got a competition to win a PS4 and the game, and then we have three runners-up who can also win uh, the game itself. So that's very cool. Uh, it's one of two competitions. Seth and Hill as well. Exclusive interview with uh, game director. Yeah, you said that was a, a great interview. With yeah, him. he's really engaging. We'll actually have more stuff on that in coming issues as well. But yeah, he's a really, really good, uh, really good interview. Seth and Hill, very engaging. We've had a few people who have been very keen on us to do some more on Final Fantasy XIV, in particular the Heaven Sword uh, expansion. You'll be pleased to know we've got a couple of pages on that. Uh, we have uh, an interview with. Um, can I say about this? We've got an interview with uh, somebody from Starbreeze uh, on Payday 2 and maybe something else that Overkill is w- working on that might be linked to uh, Robert Kirkman. Well, that's just giving the game away. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so so that's in there. I shall say no more. We've got official Destiny tips uh, from some of the guys at Bungie. They have given you an insight into how to succeed at House of Wolves. We've got a feature on PS Vita. We've got Phil's aforementioned Witcher review. Uh, lots and lots and lots of stuff. It's a very packed issue, and it comes with a free 32-page... Uh, we've called it the Bootleg PS4 Trophy Book. And basically, we've picked over 50 games uh, for PS4, PS3, and PS Vita. And there's actually a couple more as well. There's a there's a PS1 game and a PS2 game in there in the shape of Metal Gear 1 and Metal Gear 2. And what we've done, we've put our heads together, and we've come up with some fun alternative trophies. So if you think you know everything about that game, you think... You've got all the trophies, you've got platinum trophies on the PS4 and PS3 and Vita games. Well, we've got extra challenges for fun for you to try uh, and some wacky things to do, some real hardcore challenges. Uh, if you succeed at them, like send them in. We want to know about it. We'll share your achievements 
uh, with the wider world. And if anyone can complete any of the diamond challenges, uh, let's say if, if, if the first person who completes one of the diamond challenges uh, sends it in, we'll give you a little prize, actually. Diamonds better than platinum, is that? Yeah, like, platinum? we've got, I think it's three or four, like, super, super, mega tough hardcore challenges that we're not... They're definitely doable because we have proof that they've been completed, but I don't know if any of our readers are going to be able to step up to the plate and bring the goods. So I'm challenging you all, readers. Beat them. The first person who does gets a very cool prize. Should we do reader questions? Let's do it. Let's do it. I'm ready. (coughs) Right. Uh, My body is ready. This is a good question, actually. It might might be tough to answer. Rob Sweet, he asks... What separates a 9 out of 10 game from a 10 out of 10 game in your reviews? And no one says one. Good question. <laughs> That's a good question. Yeah, I think we've debated this quite heatedly in the office before. Um, I think everyone's got slightly different takes on it. Obviously, we have the, you know, the verbiage in the front of the review section, which lays down you know, what separates a 9 out of 10. I, for me, I, the way I always approach it is... I think 10 out of 10 games really make a statement. They really do something that's either not been done before or are just presented in, in such an astonishing way that they really stay with you. I, I always I always think a 10 out of 10, it's a historic score. It's like a marker. So generally, for me, like there wouldn't be more than... If, if you get between 5 and 7 or 8 10s a generation, I'd say that's about the level. Um, they're, they're very rare. They just do things that haven't been d- done before or weren't possible in the, the hardware generation before. I'd, I'd look at something like GTA V as just being you know a cast iron 10 out of 10 because certainly not possible on PlayStation 2 when it came out on PS3. Brought just an incredible sense of scale and the depth of that world and the detail in that world. So it, it just presented an incredible fidelity that isn't really seen in other open world games so I think 10s are statement games they change the industry they they have an impact on the games around them in their genre like something like a Bioshock at the time that changed the industry that changed how shooters approach narrative and obviously GTA has done that time and time again so that's that's kind of my rambling perspective on it I'm going to say something very controversial but in my head like PS4 hasn't had a true 10 out of 10 by which I mean We've got two in the mag. Yeah, Both of true. them are, are, are Dave's. You're wrong, Dave. Now, Dave, Dave was bang on. <laughs> he was absolutely yeah. right. But The Last of Us Remastered and GTA V, which in my head are games that I played last gen. Mm. Now, in both mm. cases, they earned that 10 again on PS4. Make no mistake. like They both did extra stuff, especially GTA of the two, I think. Yeah, Rockstar brought yeah. so much more to the table. But, you know, Last of Us, similarly, they're, they're both absolute cast-iron 10 out of 10 games. But because they weren't brand new 10 out of 10s for PS4, I'm still waiting for that first one. Yeah, I'm still sitting fair, here thinking, totally oh, what's going to be the first true 10 out of 10? I think you know, Bloodborne, there was a discussion there about whether that was... Yeah, and briefly, I think... consideration. Yeah, I think it's probably, in the fullness of time, it's, it's definitely not quite as good as Dark Souls, which we, ironically, didn't give a 10 to either. I think we, we all look back and probably recognise we perhaps underscored that now but yeah I, I agree I think we're still waiting for that PS4 you know bespoke yeah. to this generation 10 out of 10 I think that will come before the end of the year I, I, I would agree uh, 
and I shall say no more. Draw whatever conclusions <laughs> you want from that. But, uh, but yeah, I think that this year there are going to be some pretty special games released. And I would imagine one of them uh, will be of that calibre. Yes. But if you know what, if it's not, it ain't getting a 10. It's that simple. Uh, if we have to wait another year and a bit, <laughs> that we will. Uh, but fingers crossed we're going to get, get a game that changes the industry in the way that we kind of expect and hope. Yeah, I mean, I, I broadly agree with all these points. The only things that I would add is that, is that a 10 isn't a perfect game. No. You can look at GTA and find things that are wrong with it. No game is going to be perfect. We don't mark with a, uh, you know, from a negative standpoint. It doesn't, games don't start at a 10 and then everything that we can I think, think of. there's a misconception on certain parts yeah. of the internet that people think we score like that. Because GTA does have problems. Obviously, the, uh, I won't go into them, but, the, you know, thematically, there are grounds for um, waggled fingers. Um, you know, even mechanically, it's it's not a perfect game, but it's about as close as we've got. Um, and it's, yeah, it's the kind of game that you want every other game within that genre to steal ideas from, and they pretty much have to. Um, and it's been like that with all the, the games that I would consider 10 out of 10s. I've actually only given one game in my whole career a 10. Really? It was, yeah. Mass Effect. It was Mass Effect 3. Why? Is that true? And I'm not, I'm still not 100% sure I was right to do that. I think two is arguably more of a 10 than three. It's a, it's a really big deal for a reviewer given, like, we probably sweat about it more than readers realise. Like, giving a 10 is a really big deal. <laughs> Um, I feel bad. I've given loads of tens. I've I think been I've doing given this. Five. I've been doing this for eight years. I've never given a ten. Yeah. Now, to be fair, like my two previous magazines were percentage-based mags. Yeah. Which yeah. sort of changes just, it a little yeah, bit. But I did a lot of freelance for mags that did score out of ten or do score out of ten, and I never did it. The highest uh, says I've never given a ten. <laughs> like this is probably like even bigger in some terms. But I gave GTA Five on. Uh, on uh, previous gen, at 99% on Games Master, yeah. which is the highest ever score uh, Games Master had given, which I guess is the same as what Dan Dawkins gave San Andreas on PSM3, yeah, right? Yeah, 99 as well. Yeah. It's a big old score. I, I was just thinking... <laughs> and Skyrim got 98, mm. um, and then, yeah, they're, they're the two highest I've given, so you can't really top that, but as a pure 10, I'm, never done. I'm worried now, three of my 10s have all been HD remakes. It was the last of us remastered. How have you given? GTA 5. Shadow of the Colossus and Ico HD collection, which I gave a 10, uh, which I think was my first ever 10. Uh, <coughs> I gave Batman Arkham City a 10, and I gave uh, well, the original Last of Us a 10. Giving them so, out like sweeties. Just throw them out there, mate. Just 10. Yeah. yeah, but I think that's that's the that's the key thing for me. They, they are instant classics. You're aware as you're playing them that the genre is forced to change forever, that other games are going to have to steal... The ideas. I don't I like. I don't know. Like, do you think there's more? Do you think there's a bigger gap between an eight and a nine, or a nine and a ten? I would say there's a. I don't know. I say there's a bigger gap between an eight and a nine than a nine and a ten. But I don't think I, all the games I've gone to tens in the past. I've never really ummed and odd, but it was like, yeah, that's a ten. Like you know, within like mm. an hour or so. But I have ummed about a lot of whether give something like eight and nine, but very rarely have I ummed between a nine and a ten. I think there, are, I think there are contradicts what I just huge, said. huge gaps between every everyone, and like, I don't think any of us settle on a certain score, like, just on a whim. I think mm. I know what you mean there about instantly. You know, if something mm. is a ten contender, contender. <laughs> hey, check it out. Uh, just because you sort of have that feeling when you play. Like it's, it's like when I was playing Skyrim, when I was playing 
GTA last gen. It's like this is something truly spectacular, something really special that doesn't come along very often. Um, that's not to say that annual releases are totally off the table when it comes to tens. I know we've yeah. given FIFA tens in the past, yeah. but um, MLB as well. Yeah, MLB <laughs> got a lot of tens, right? Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's. I think we've said more than enough art on that grounds. Um, but I just want one day to give up myself. Yeah. I want a good game. Can I review a tenner at some point? <laughs> Can't fill your reviews, editor. Oh, I will give say, I think De- Destiny, I was very close to giving Destiny a ten. And then I think in the fullness of time, that was, again, I was correct not to do so. But that that was very persuasive. I, I really was obsessed with Destiny back in September. Well, and you yeah, still are. I still, yeah, I still do play it a lot. And I still love that game. I absolutely stand by the 9 out of 10 I gave it, so... Uh, Robert Stanley asks, where would we like to see a Hitman level set? Uh, and then he gives like a couple of examples of levels that he would like to see. Uh, and I think they're great, actually. He says, one at IO Studios, and that's not a knock on the IO guys. Like, <laughs> I'm not saying I want to go around that studio <laughs> delivering pain <laughs> and justice. Uh, but I think it'll be a fun thing for the team to do. But also, uh, he says, uh, a, a battle reenactment level which could be quite brilliant. Imagine, like, the American Civil War, they do lots of battle reenactments, and oh, Agent yeah, 47 was that there. That's a great idea. And, like, that's an absolutely great you'd idea. You'd have to, you know, one of your targets is in the battle. It's like, oh, what if you get one of the guns in between rehearsals and turn it into, like, yeah. a real gun? Oh, Similar to Curtains Down in yeah, Blood Money. Yeah, um, you swap with the prop gun. Or you've got a plastic or you dress, sword. Or you or, dress oh, up as one of the guys and actually get involved I, in the I, battle. I, I could have so much fun with the humour in that as well, because I think all these kind of, you know, fancy cosplayers do lend themselves yeah. to that sort of humour. Robert that, Stanley, that's a, great idea. that's a bloody amazing level. Like, we would definitely throw our weight behind that. I.O., hire him. Yeah, yeah, that is that is you. Sh- you should be working in that series. That is a great idea. That like that so gets the humor of that series as well. It's just yeah. right. Like ah, that's bright. Well done. What, what <laughs> well else, people? Um, I as good as that. I can tell you now. All right. <laughs> I'm going to steal from uh, less than Stella, Will Smith, and Margot Robbie movie Focus for this one. Wow, because um, that's quite the reference. They have um, they have a couple of hustles in those in that movie. One involving um. A big NFL game in a massive stadium. Okay. And another one on a uh, a motor racing track. Either of those would be fantastic. Uh, nice. Kind of puzzle boxes. Yeah. Filled with people. You know, whether your target is actually on the pitch, whether it's an athlete. Oh. Okay. Or the coach or something. Oh. Or whether it's just someone else in the crowd that you need to locate. Uh, or like a NASCAR track. Because you know that, that, like. You know, we all know that there's another Hitman game being made. Yeah, I yeah. have been very vocal about that. Please call and, this one and Hit- the last... Hitman subtitle. I'd love for that to happen. <laughs> but the last two games, like starting with Blood Money with the Mardi Gras level and then in Absolution with, I can't remember what part, but it's when you go to that train station to escape. Yeah. So when you're on the run, oh, like, they, like love, they love their crowds. Yeah. They're all about the crowds. Because yeah. you know, mm. like, with current gen, well, that was PS3, PS4, they can throw around loads of people. So mm. what you've just described there, like busy crowd environments, yeah. they would be well up for that. Yeah, like maybe you could tinker with the car. If you could disguise yourself Ooh. as a mechanic, tinker with the brakes or something. Maybe you could pay someone. Shame there's no more someone. refueling in F1. You could do an F1. <laughs> oh, and actually God, put imagine like, that. Put like, instead of putting petrol it comes in it, an F1 so good. <laughs> I'd actually, I'd or you could get a job as a driver. <laughs> <laughs> I, 
Oh, you've really bugged me because I was thinking to myself, what kind of things, sporting event would be amazing, like a full contact sport, like an NFL game or a rugby game or an athletics field and stuff. The things you could do, like to get the exact point when you could take someone out or to things you could tinker with. But yeah, you've stolen my idea. I'd say my thoughts then. Like, well, well, it's not my idea, to be in, fair. It was a directed focus. I'd like to do just something mm. nice and simple, like a supermarket. Like, <laughs> like why, why not? You could uh, you could dress up as like one of the checkout people and like electrify the so conveyor belt. I can really or, or see you can him have in the, in the checkout. <laughs> yeah, girl, in that yeah. garb with this yeah. hat on, little pointy like I've hat. seen that. Oh, the zoo. Or, oh, Hitman level in the zoo. That'd be amazing. Yeah. But what about like a supermarket? You get taste tests. You can poison them or like. You, <laughs> oh, that's good. That's a guy on the deli. When she buys, when he buys like orange juice, <laughs> like you've injected it with poison yeah. and stuff. It's or like just wait until he's in like the home, uh, the DIY, and just like chuck it in a paint from the other side <laughs> of the aisle. But Zoo's interesting. Yeah, what like, do you, you mean? Just, all the enclosures you could push them in. You just push them down the line and close right, so, so you don't actually have to like go kill a giraffe. No, 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 no. Yeah, you're not, you're not killing like <laughs> pandas. Now you just like you could just push them in various enclosures. That would be good because uh, what is it in Blood Money again? You've got the the wedding in. I don't know. There's a bayou level. Yeah, there's like the southern wedding where you can push the guy like he's, having, he's eaten by crocodiles. Yeah, he's eaten he? by oh, alligators. Yeah. So there's that S and M club in Vegas where. There's a woman with all the pyro, and if you fiddle Heaven with the pyro, and hell. you'll knock her in this massive fish tank. She'll get eaten by a shark. Yeah. So. It's such a shame that I actually completed so many of these levels. Like the wedding level, I completed by running up to him and shooting him in the face yeah, and just running off. Did you never replay it and experiment? No, I think I think I did actually, but I lo- I wanted to unlock all the levels. So like I'd be like, okay, so that's that door unlocks there. Okay, she walks along that path, and what if I just <laughs> doof, doof, doof. <laughs> just oh, leg it away again? <laughs> oh, dear. Uh, fi- oh. Final question in the podcast is from Rich, uh, sorry, Rich Widowson, that's his name, and he asks, why no podcast last month, especially when he entered the pun competition? Oh. So there was a podcast, as we said earlier, one of the mics didn't work, so it was not the best quality. Uh, however, we recognise that people want to listen. Uh, the tech guys tried to do some stuff with it to improve the levels, it wasn't massively successful, uh, but we're going to add the Lost Cast to the back of this podcast so you can hear it yourself. So it was one that me, Phil and Meeks recorded a month <coughs> ago. So some of the things we talk about are a bit out of date now, like the issue that's on sale or the next month issue info and some of the news stories as well. But there were some jokes in there probably, probably. there a good podcast there might be something that might make you chuckle there probably ain't going to be but you never know so give it a go uh, again be warned the levels aren't great because one of the mics did break on us like straight away and we didn't know until we'd already exported the podcast so it might be a bit annoying when uh, one of us is coming through really loud and the others are coming through quiet or vice versa so apologies for that but if you're interested keep on listening after the beep and you'll get the last cast. And that's it for this month. So thank you very much for listening. Uh, anyone want to say anything before we say farewell? She. Beep. She. <laughs> well, that was, uh, <laughs> that was an ending, shall we say. Cheers, guys. Um, thanks very much. And uh, hopefully this one has worked and the mics haven't broken. And we're going to be back in just over a month's time. Uh, obviously, in a few weeks, we've got E3 coming up, which is the big annual gaming event that we will go nuts for it's where lots of games are going to be revealed 
uh, we are going to be working hard through E3 week. Uh, that is the 16th to the 18th of June. Just before that, on the 15th, there's going to be the Sony press conference. So early hours of the morning, I'll probably be doing a live Twitter feed uh, at the show. Uh, all that week, keep your eyes on gamesradar.com forward slash OPM because we're going to bring you a lot of new game, game announcements, I should say. And then on the 3rd of July, we've got our annual Hot 50 issue, which is the big E3 issue where we talk about the 50 hottest games coming to PlayStation. We've got a lot of good things lined up for that already. Some very exciting new announcements. Uh, it's definitely, definitely one to get excited for. In fact, I would suggest if you subscribe nice and quickly uh, at myfavoritemagazines.co.uk forward slash OPM subs, uh, you can make sure that you get that as your first issue as a subscriber, uh, which is going to be well worth doing because we've got something really cool lined up for subs uh, for their special cover. So get that done. We'll, hear, we'll be back here in a month and... In the meantime, send us any questions on Facebook and Twitter. Hello and welcome to the next episode. I don't know what episode number we're on now. Four? Maybe four. 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 Feels like four. Fourth episode of the U2015 that isn't really kind of new anymore, but we'll go with it. Uh, official PlayStation Magazine podcast. Uh, I am editor Matthew Pallet. I'm Phil Ivanyuk, the games editor. And I'm Dave Mickleham, the news editor. Remember this time who he is, well done, Dave. <laughs> no hesitation. Uh, we're, we're about a week out of the uh, everyone's favourite body part, mm. the deadline. <laughs> yes. So we're well on the way uh, into our next issue. Um, we'll talk about both of those mags later on in the podcast, but as we always do at this point, we'll start off with what we are playing now. Um, I will start with what I'm not playing right now. <laughs> Any and, game ever. And it's it's The Witcher 3. I'm so desperate to get started with The Witcher 3, but through various um, hiccups along the way, um, we've been expecting review code every day now for a few days. And, um, Since the announcement. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Um, so um, hopefully I'll be my life will be like 90% The Witcher 3 as of tomorrow. What were the other 10%? Sleeping. <laughs> It's maybe a bit of nutrition. Well, maybe seventy percent Witcher. Rock and roll. A bit of eating, a bit of sleeping. Um, I'm eating four tuna steaks every night. I've been eating a lot in preparation for the Witcher. I've been training so I can uh, stay awake for periods of forty-eight hours. Well, you did tell me you went to bed at ten to seven last night. I went to bed at ten to so seven. Thus confirming you have the bedtime of a seven-year-old school child. Normally you go to bed about eight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I go I, somewhere between half nine and ten is my is my bedtime. And that's if you're night. feeling wild as well. I mean, that's that's a big night. I went to bed immediately after dinner last night because I was feeling ill, and then I woke up again at half eight to have a chicken curry, <laughs> and then again at eleven to have another portion of chicken curry. That is insane. Um, about three thousand, three thousand five hundred calories a day. I don't, I don't know. He's he's turning into. Well, I, I think a the lot. average recommended fifteen million. I think um, the average recommended daily intake is two twenty five hundred between two thousand twenty five hundred for an adult for, man. For a man, so. yeah. You're a pretty slight man as well, Phil. Why are you eating so much? Because he's a pretty well, slight man. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Slender man. He, he wants to, He's the, the original. Actually, interestingly, Slender, Slender man was built based in Philadelphia. Yeah, <laughs> that's my claim to fame. 
And well, this actually ties into a very esoteric, very specific, and completely borderline delusional opinion column I uh, I've just written for OPM uh, one eleven, which will be on sale in early June, I think. And um, it's all to do with screen uniformity issues, which on modern flat screen televisions, which I've become obsessed about to the point where I've burned through not screen burn, I've just like bought and returned. I think seven or eight televisions over the last twelve months. He's not joking. He's no, I, that's yeah, not. That's them. not. That's generally not even a. That's not even an exaggeration. Like because of these ridiculous machinations, I don't currently have a TV just now. I actually had to borrow <laughs> Games Masters last night and looked incredibly shoddy. So in the last shoddy. Months, you bought seven televisions, and you're at the point where you don't currently. Yes, yes. All the irony. But what what I was doing when I had a television was I was obsessively panning the camera in games like GTA where there's or FIFA where there's like a large block of a single color. So like GTA the sky, FIFA the pitch. Now fast tracking shots of singular colours show up an issue that mad video files and A V forms know as banding or dirty screen effect. It's because of a issue with backlighting and LCTVs where because the panel's not evenly like Christ this is boring um, you basically see the lighter parts of the screens as bands vertical bands up and down the screen or dirty screen effect it's like blodges it's very apparent when you're panning cameras so to test televisions I'd just turn on GTA for five minutes pan the camera around the desert well, and then let ruin, and point. literally let ruin every single game so that's my no, uh, psychosis just walk into Curry's with Ah, but the display model would be different from the actual one you get in the box because it's as as mad mad people on AV forums know it's the LED lottery. What like every panel is different, so clothing, banding. Oh, absolutely. I see you as like televisions equivalent of. Jim Jones. Or Rain Man. Or to, like, <laughs> off to some little retreat out in the middle of like Shropshire and you're going to just have a room full of TVs like in the main Sliver. And you're going to worship them all and then as soon as there's a dead pixel it's Kool-Aid time. It's, it's, Speaking it's, of it's Shropshire actually, uh, can we talk about Everybody's Gone to the Rapture? Which is that in Shropshire? Yeah. yeah. That's, 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 that's interesting. Yeah. 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 A very good preview for an issue that readers won't get to read until for a long time, but sneak preview. I've played it. I've played about 30, 40 minutes of it. And do you only thought you were going to see hours there? Yeah, about 30, 40 hours. 30 hours just in a, a virtual pub in Shropshire. Um, I mean, going by Dear Esther's um, length, so the Chinese room's previous game, well, it's a few games back now, actually. They did, yeah, they did Amnesia, Machine for Pigs, which was again quite short. They make short games, they make short, I very I did not realise it was games. the Amnesia developer. I've had Amnesia. Right. Only the machine for pigs, right, yeah. interesting. which but I really, really loved, actually. I was going to say I have amnesia, but I mean on a, mm-hmm. a PC that I've not played for six months. I played Zitellis. I've one. I've got those seven <laughs> under my bed. <laughs> and then we did 20 copies of GTA that you've forgotten about. Um, and it's it's every bit as good as people who enjoy that kind of game will be hoping for. I think it's going to be the strongest walking simulator. I'm doing the inverted commas thing. Um, people call them walking sims and it's a slightly pejorative term but that is kind of what it amounts to you're walking around enjoying environments and you know the game gives you the time and space to just soak it in and 
explore the puzzle. What, what is the central kind of narrative thrust of it? Because I know in the same preview section in issue 111, again on sale now, we doing, which is a similar game. We have both Ethan Carter and um, Rapture in the same issue. What is the difference between the two in terms of the motivation? Because obviously Ethan Carter, it's a detective story. You're trying to solve a murder. What is Rapture? Well, yeah, it's, it's a bit more convoluted than that in, in The Vanishing of Ethan Carter, but ostensibly that's yeah. that's the setup. You're a detective there to solve a mystery by reading notes and things. Um, and in The Rapture, you're not really given any explanation as to who you are or why you just find yourself in this village in Shropshire. You just... you're your eyes open and you're there, you know. Um, but the wider conceit is that the everybody has disappeared in this village, and as far as you're aware, for as you know, as far as I can see, there are no people. Do you um, like interact with the world? Apart from you can open doors. Oh, you can. And yeah, you can pick up things. No. So oh no. Half budget, like, you can't. You game. can't pick up things. Nothing okay. to pick up. Oh. I just wonder if you get to the end of the game and the camera pans out. And that would explain why you can't pick up things as well if you're mm. a cow. Yeah. But opening doors, maybe you could be a clever cat. Cats can open doors. Maybe you could be a velociraptor. They can open doors. I think I've only pushed open doors, oh. so a cow could that probably could be, manage yeah, that. This is a good conspiracy theory, right? Mm. So everybody has gone to the rapture. Apart from the cows. Apart from all cows. cows. Escape the abattoirs, and they are now the dominant species. I'm disappointed you can't pick up things because I was looking forward to going to the Shropshire pub and examining pork scratchings and in very finite detail. I suppose there. Well, I mean, you still can. You just you can look, but you can't touch. The the attraction, I suppose, is the idea that you can accumulate every object in the game and just pile it up in one big stash as somebody gone home. Which is another thing we should talk about actually, because gone home is officially not not happening. Yeah, although Matt, you're not so sure. Right now, though, didn't they? I think they put a slight qualifier in it that it wasn't actively being made anymore. Yeah, but yeah, that was, but they said that a little while ago, and like since then, um, like there was a call out for him to like shoot Nathan Shooter to try and revive it. So like, we'll see. Maybe Sony stepped in and given them a hand. I know that you know the indie drive on PlayStation is really big. They want to get good games on PlayStation from independent studios. Yeah, it was 2013, yeah. Mm. It would be it would be super duper if it did come with so PS4 because it's so it was a little bit polarizing but fantastic. Yeah, I thought, so, I thought so it was brilliant. I, I, Of the Patriots. You want to draw your own conclusions about why I might be playing this at this point in time? <laughs> you may do. I'm not saying a word on that, <clears throat> but I am playing that game. Uh, I'm a big Metal Gear fan, uh, with, a, with a caveat. Uh, I was obsessed with the first three, uh, and when four came along, I was super, super excited for it, mega into it. Uh, at the time, I was working on um, a magazine that shall not be named, <laughs> for a format that shall not be named. And you know what, I started Metal Gear 4 and it wasn't, you know, that first act is very different from 
Yeah, it's incredibly disorienting at first. Uh, it it kind of just jarred with me for, for a bit. And I played the first act and I didn't really carry on with it. So since 2008, it's been on my shame pile. And I thought, you know what, it's about time. And maybe other motivating factors as well. I thought, well, let's go back and, and play it again. Um, so I'm, I'm very early on. I've only played about 30 minutes of it so far. Because I think I have other things going on at home. Um, but yeah. Hoping in the next week, that deadline, if you draw your own conclusions, I will be able to finish Metal Gear 4, which means I'm probably going to... Well, we are approaching a bank holiday weekend, so I think it could well be likely. It's not a particularly long game, so... Mrs. Pallet probably won't like me if I just spend three days on Metal Gear 4, but we'll see. You could save yourself half the time if you skip all the cutscenes, because there are generally more cutscenes than gameplay. I love stories in games, I'm not really skipping through that. And that would just be and it does, it does have the best ending of any of the Metal Gears. Even better than three, I think. So it is worth pursuing. Although there is a 90-minute ending epilogue after the last piece of gameplay. Which I've seen, and I've only really played It's not even an one. exaggeration. It's, it's generally so, about so 70, 80, 90 so minutes long. you've got a terrifying knowledge of Metal Gear, so you'll know probably what I'm talking about here. But Metal Gear Solid 3, mm -hmm. you know when you get to the end of that first act? Yes. And the, the, the virtuous that, mission. Yeah. I remember being at uni uh, and I was trying to get my my then girlfriend, yeah, she was my girlfriend and now my wife, uh, to like Metal Gear. So I was like, oh, come, come watch this, it's really good. So I literally did like the last five minutes of that mission and then cutscene kicked in. And that cutscene, I swear it must be about an hour and a bit, surely. That is a long cutscene. Surely it's about an hour 20, I don't know. But I think about 20 minutes in, wasn't too impressed and even less impressed when I slinked in like over an hour later it's like oh yeah the cutscene's just finished utterly it, utterly dead to her like she's like no not well there are there are serious. several pauses between acts and Metal Gear like that in fact there are actually pre-briefings that are optional that you can watch from the main menu that usually last about 40 30 or 40 minutes except you can control a little Metal Gear at the same time so they're partially interactive but there's a lot of talking but so i've i've got this weird experience with metal gear where i've only played through mgs1 to completion but i've seen the endings to one <laughs> two and four what? and but so not three but not three yeah so just on youtube just no well i was i went around i was we were going to go in town right me and my mate we would have been when did MGS2 come out? It was a while 2001. Yeah, we're about 16. the US, 2002, March here. We'd have been going to meet at the fountain in town, right? <laughs> we were meeting our friend there in like half an hour. So I popped over and it was like, oh. The yeah. wishing fountain? My mate Simon, he, he was just about to finish it. It was on the final boss fight. And then he beat him. He was like, all right, I'll just see the cutscene and then we'll head off. So I sat down and then 90 minutes of people pulling off masks and <laughs> going back on their codex later. Um, we were like an hour and a half late to meet our poor friend Matt, who'd just been standing at the fountain. You should really be able to pause Metal Gear cutscenes. I, you, mm. you might be able to do it in four. I can't remember. It's been over a year since I played it. I love it. games where you can pause a cutscene. It's I great, mean, yeah. It's either press start and skip 40 minutes of crucial <laughs> yeah. plot details or, oh, I can pause and make a cup of tea. And mm. it's just always a worry with me. Because it's weird, because pressing the home button on PS4 pauses some games, but not others. Yeah. 
so it's quite strange. The order was good in that sense that you could pause cutscenes, but that again, it's oh, more cutscene in games. So. No, okay. So you're forty minutes in. One thing that Kojima, you know, the, the great and mighty Kojima, got catastrophically wrong, though, is that iPod, they're not freaking real iPods in 2014. Mm, he did what get that wrong. What a four yeah. What a crazy. What a four uh, So I had a little chuckle with myself there. The, the retro, but maybe he's a fan of retro. Because you actually have to do that in the pad as well. You have to, like, swivel yeah. the stick. To, it's almost like actually using the wheel in a, an iPhone. It's quite cool like that. Maybe he's actually ahead of us all, though, because actually... The, the old style iPod, uh, Joel Gregory, former Games Head and Deputy Head on the mag, um, recently sold his like first generation iPod well, with that. With that. <laughs> Maybe there's a racket oh, going hipsters. on. But yeah, he sold it for like over 100 quid. Um, and I remember them being about that much money at the time. So I think they're back in fashion. On the topic of the iPod and MGS, one thing I would thoroughly recommend you yeah. do is if the download section in the main menu is still working, download the audio commentaries from the game makers that take you through the entire game so you can actually God, it's almost like a virtual race. museum you walk through the level at a pace and they say stop here look at this thing and they like talk you through it they're absolutely brilliant okay, I remember doing These are mm. these are longer yeah, and they're, they're was super cool. Gold Coast, was that what it's called? Lost, Lost Coast. Lost Coast, yes, yeah. And it was like stuff around there and obviously portable people as well. I would do that, but I won't touch that until I've finished it. Yes. Because mixing that with actual proper game just... Actually, even though I've finished it 17 times, just talking about it makes me want to play it again. Says the on mad man of your, in the uh, corner. Eight televisions, though. So, that's the question. So, like, next we always move on to news. We might as well stick with Kojima and Metal Gear for a little bit mm. because it's all been kicking off, uh, and it's still all yet to be fully confirmed and unravelled what's going on. But the talk of the internet town is that there has been a leak coming out that Kojima and Konami, if they have not split ways, they will be doing so. That Silent Hills is in serious jeopardy and may even already be cancelled because certainly Del Toro and Norman Reedus have said as much. Um, I think, I think and now Konami have confirmed that they're not continuing developing it. Like yeah, Silent yes. Hill will continue as a series, but not that, but not that yeah. So PT was supposed to be pulled off the store uh, yesterday. Yes. Speaking, we're doing this on the Thursday, uh, but it's still there it's yeah well it's certainly there if you've if you've previously downloaded it and it's in your library even if it's not current on your hard drive you can still re-download it but i yeah 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 and this has actually spawned a little sort of micro fable about capitalism um <laughs> in that somebody immediately after this news broke listed their ps4 with a preloaded um pt demo on it for a thousand dollars um, and I don't think it actually. Or I think it was pounds. I thought it was dollars. There was Maybe certainly another one for about six hundred pounds. Woodward and Bernstein. Um, perhaps it was both. Perhaps you had the choice. There though. were a couple of exorbitantly priced PS4s with PT. So mm. it, as far as I've seen, it hasn't sold, which is really. It did have a lot of viewers. So this is the thing I objected, objected to, like a lot of news sites linking actually to the page. So this. 
scumbag was getting like hundreds of thousands of views on this item. Like all it takes is one super mad impulsive person with too much disposable income and then that horrible person has got themselves a sale. A horrible person who buys 25 televisions in two months. Well, well yeah, but I didn't, I didn't spit, it wasn't 25 it wasn't 25 times it's a good argument expenditure um, oh, I've lost all <laughs> I so think, continue. Uh, yeah it, it, the, <laughs> the important thing as well is that if you even if you delete PT so if you have downloaded it in the past if you delete PT now you can still download it for now for now yeah for now because at the moment it seems like income store but you can download it but if they take up a certain you won't be able to yeah, yeah I'd suggest if you really do want to play it download it Keep it, yeah. There are also unsubstantiated rumours that if you're in the EU outside of the UK and you delete it, then you can't re-download it. But obviously we can't test that here at OVN. It's like the ring. So that's interesting. I'm gutted. No, if Silent Hills, as we saw it, and to be honest, none of us saw it. No, no. no. We've played PT and we've seen a trailer that was released at TGS. That's the extent of anyone's involvement with Silent Hills at this point. But... That was exciting enough for everyone to be really, really hopeful for what Silent Hill the series could become. Like, we thought of Kojima and Del Toro. Like, readers, it doesn't matter in the, in the grand scheme of things who the actor is. It's nice, he's a real cool character in Walking Dead, but really it's Kojima and Del Toro. That's a very exciting, par- exciting partnership. And that that may have been lost forever, I'm going by. And I would imagine for the dare say 100 200 people who were also working on that game to make it great like it must be galling for them because pt was brilliant mm. i can only imagine what they had been building to show us presumably at E3. yeah i mean we don't really know how how many staff were working it or how advanced it was so it's i mean the crazy thing is the game is so much more than one creator mm. metal gear like metal gear is would not be the same without uh, without kojima of course it That game does not exist because he's the one making it. He's yeah, he's not up till 4am every night like, <laughs> doing the code. <laughs> no, but like, there are lots of people who are involved and I, it must be a contractual thing, of course, but I would like to think there are salvageable elements in what has been made so far that can be handed off to a team to you know, work anew on it. But we'll have to see, we'll have to see what, where this story goes. You can only hope that nobody from the previous canned game, Del Toro game, Insane, <laughs> uh, went over to work on Silent Hills and just had like all, maybe all 10 I think years of, of Del Toro now is just like cancel projects because he didn't, he couldn't do the Hobbit. A couple of games that have gone, come and gone. So yeah, so see, he made his touch. Rough run of form for him, um, but I think that the one of the most exciting things. Um, about that was the fact that obviously Konami were prepared to give it a bit of budget. Mm-hmm. I, I think that was the most important thing. So the previous few Silent Hills have been produced for probably about four mm. or five grand over the course of a weekend game jam. Um, <laughs> and, you know, to get Norman Reedus involved as well as those two um, really big names from the game and movie industries was just, apart from anything else, apart from who those people were and what they can bring, it was an indicator that this was a really, really big budget project and a really serious um, attempt to bring back one of the sort of previous oh. giants of this, um, is, this is making me really sad. Yeah, it I makes mean, me want to play T PT. I've not played PT properly, which is shameful. I played ten minutes of it when my housemate was too scared 
to go down the corridor. He called me in the room after I'd been drinking all night and it probably didn't have the desired effect it was supposed to. But I should absolutely replay it now and I intend to one of my 14 televisions. Well, there's uh, there's an eBay listing going on that I'll show you later <laughs> okay. on that you'll be interested in. So I did do a news story and I did real journalism and everything, but the sheet of paper I did the real <laughs> journalism on, I forgot to bring down to the special podcast room, so this would be a tad more vague than it should be. But the general gist is new PS4 sales figures have been released. Um, I think now the total lifetime sales of the console are 22.3 million uh, and the calendar year ending March 2015 or certainly the 12 months building up to March 2015 it sold something like 14.1 or 8 it was was either 14.1 or 14.8 million consoles during that time (laughs) I, I did a little bit of research and in the nine years that PS1 was on sale on the market it sold 140 million consoles I worked out if it's PS4 had another eight years of selling 14.1 million consoles it'd end up selling 140.3 million so PS4 exclusive breaking news will be the most successful console of all time I proved it on a sheet of paper which I did not bring to this room as a master of mathematics (laughs) after four years at university studying maths i object to that maths it was i I did whatever number it was (laughs) i got that i don't doubt that that motivation is right but there's a lot of market factors but you're spot on in terms of like it has done incredibly incredibly extraordinarily well so far to the point where i suspect even the highest head honchos at sony were a little bit mystified as Mm. to how it's selling so well and who is buying all these Absolutely, yeah, in terms of exclusives. feel like a current gen game yeah Sony and Microsoft consoles is exceptional. And that is, you know, it, it partly because 
perhaps was a little bit of hubris at the start of the PS3 cycle in terms of its price point and various other barriers. And like Sony, just been incredibly humble so far this generation, it's paid absolute dividends. Yeah. Because a lot of that data, like a lot of damage has been done to PR, and like it, they'll have lost a lot of customers, they just simply won't get back now. So. It's going to be very exciting. Like, we're expecting any uh, ridiculously huge E3. We know about some things that are happening, so we can't share too much, but we know of some big games that are being announced. Um, we've got Batman coming out, yeah, in June, June 23rd. We've all been itching to play, so mm -hmm. we've played it, but you know, been itching to own and play in its entirety. Uh, that is finally coming. You know what, weird, I was just going to say that. I was weird, I was going to say that. In June is usually pretty barren. All things considered, in terms of releases, yeah, we've we've struck lucky, I suppose, with all the. Um, God, and the Witcher, which is out even sooner. Yeah, that May nineteenth. Yeah. So, so yeah, this is this is basically we're reaping the rewards of all the games that came out in twenty fourteen broken and were cancelled because the you oh, know this back. this summer um, glut of games was most of them were due out in twenty fourteen mm. or at least <coughs> um, you know very early 2015 so yeah we're, we're reaping those rewards basically and it's just great it's, it's ridiculous that the industry is usually so um q3 q4 focused i could see why it is um but it's it's a nice a nice anomaly this year to as see much as i love batman though batman's so not a game for the summer like late nights you think where it doesn't get dark till about 10 <laughs> or half 10 at night so it means to play it because it'll be a really dark game, you know, all at night. You're going to have to like pull your blinds or your curtains at probably 7 or 8 o'clock after work if you really, really seriously get down and, and get the most of it. Oh, Phil, you won't yeah. be able to play Batman till like October, December when the yeah. night's drawing yeah. again. Wow, just don't spoil it for me, guys. <laughs> Who's got the list of PS Plus games from May? I do. Um, what have we got? So, let's start with the bad news, or what's, what's exiting. Um, so, if you haven't played any of these games by now, then they're gone forever. There's no way of ever playing them again. Um, so, <laughs> goodbye, Tower of Guns, Never Alone, Dishonored, Aru's Awakening, Killzone Mercenary, and Monster Bag. And being introduced into the Instant Game Collection, as of May 6th, is Ether One, Guacamele Super Turbo Championship Edition, Hohokam, The Unfinished Swan, Race the Sun, and Murasaki Baby. Race the Sun was a game that you were really praising. Yeah, uh, weirdly, I started playing it at Christmas for, I can't remember why. Um, I just randomly bought it on PSN for about £2.50. And it's a it's an endless racer. It's got this really lovely minimalist um, design. You're essentially a, a spacecraft or some sort of glider that's just racing towards the sun. And the goal is you have to keep going as long as possible. You have to like hit certain kind of portals and things to keep the sun from setting and it's fantastic I found it thoroughly addictive so uh, if you're a PS Plus subscriber I would absolutely recommend you download that without hesitation oh, I'm quite excited about the adventure game mm. yes I was going to flag up Ethan when I actually, uh, so I played this on PC when it was out last year at about the same time Traitor. I think <laughs> um, 
And it's not a world away from Ethan Carter and um, everybody's gone to the rapture. Um, so I think the overarching concept is that you're an employee working within somebody's mind to restore their memories. So I think there's actually a layer of like Alzheimer's awareness. I think that's what the developer um, is partly touching on. Um, I certainly remember something about that in the um, the launch window. Um, and so, yeah, you, you're kind of pottering around and the world's really, really bears the marks of um, like Bioshock Infinite and Portland Half-Life 2 and its visual design, okay. which is what actually drew me into it. Um, and you can pick things up. You'll be delighted to know. Yeah. Makes, you can pick things up. It doesn't have port scratchings. Pork scratchings. Um, I didn't finish it, so I, I'm not in a position to say, but certainly not in the first third of it. Um, so, yeah, it's a bit more of a hands-on puzzler um, than the, the Chinese Room School of Walking Sim, but it is quite light and quite hands-off and about the place rather than the challenge. Cool. I, well, one game that I never got around to playing is The Unfinished Swan. Mm. I, played it, I played it at E3 like two or three years ago, I chatted with the, the dev there and enjoyed the small portion that I did sample so yeah as well as Ethan 1 is this PS3 or PS4 the unfinished it's one? on all formats actually it's on oh, really? 4, 3 and Vita I might, I might give that a little spin yeah so just to recap it's the game where you shoot paint at things and it becomes do you visible. paint do you the world is shoot wide. paint at swans yeah. um, is it that way swans. do you have to finish a giant swan painting it's not like a big art attack <laughs> this is an art attack. This is an art attack. This is a giant swan. Paint's pretty close to water, mate. As long as I don't have to drink the paint, it should be fine. What if it's an oil-based paint rather uh, than water-based? I mean, that still doesn't sound like it'd be particularly good for me, but, you know, <laughs> I'll play along with this running gag. <laughs> <laughs> you say it's a gag, but really, I think anyone who's joined this podcast for the first time hasn't listened to any of the others is... is well, I'm awesome. the market, like I'm the absolute marketing dream for. I think it was either Robinsons or Oasis who did the marketing campaign for a while. Was for people who hate water. So, mm. is it water because of those campaigns? Yeah, they. they I've been properly like Mancurian candidate here. <laughs> oh, so this podcast is obviously brought to you by Robinsons, <laughs> Dilight and Juice, or Oasis. This is another thing I just really want to touch on really quickly. Is that I say Dilight and Juice? Yes, yes. Diluting juice, not squash, not cordial. Well, I, I, I'm Diluting pretty. It might, maybe it's a Scottish thing, or maybe it's just, it's just something Scottish I got from readers, my parents. Let us know if it's a Scottish thing. Diluting juice. I'll just say it one more time. It might be a me thing. I don't know. Juice. It might, it might be That's a me thing. I don't know. <laughs> oh dear. Um, right. Normally, at this point in the podcast, we will talk about the issue that is on shelves right now, and this podcast is no different. Um, you've got another week, only a week, to get the current issue, and if you haven't already, you absolutely should because it's brilliant. Uh, you'll find it on shelves inside a wallet that has a big picture of someone's face. You don't know whose face it is, it's someone's face, and around that face is wrapped, facehugger-style, Project Morpheus, which is the virtual reality headset that will be coming to PS4 next year. Um, the issue is called The Future Is Now, and it's all about some of the future things that's happened with PS4 leading on Project Morpheus, which is... Uh, a feature that was actually written by Games Radar Plus's Ali Hartup because he went over and played with the brand new Morpheus headset for us, although you have played with the previous incarnation of Phil. And absolutely loved it. It was honestly one of the most transformative experiences I've ever had in any sort of 
games or tech demo ever. And I think a lot of it came from having move controllers yeah. to use as my hands and pressing the triggers as the move controllers, which clasps your hands and everything. But I was seriously, but I can't throw enough hyperbole at it. It was incredible. So we've, we've thrown some more hyperbole. <laughs> this issue, you'll be pleased to know. More uh, hyperbole. And we've got, you know, we've tested out some new games, London Heist, which is a shooter with a... Uh, and a game that we actually gave four pages to. I mentioned on a previous podcast that this would be coming up at some point. It's a game called Keep Talking and Nobody Explodes, which is a fascinating little uh, party game where one person strapped into the into Morpheus, literally strapped back <laughs> a bit ago, uh, and they have a bomb in front of them that's ticking down, and they have a friend or a group of friends who are not uh, using Morpheus and do not have a screen to look at, but they have a folder of paper on the paper is printed uh, the decryption methods for solving the bomb and defusing it. So the person who's watching, you know, who's got Morpheus on is frantically describing what's going on, what sort of wires there are, the colours, what number pads there are, and then the people in the real world, let's say, are, are you know, flicking between pages trying to figure out what bomb it is, what they should do to defuse it. Themselves up. Um, it's, a, it's a crazy, crazy. Sounds game. terrifying. Amazing, but terrifying. Yeah, <laughs> and it's, it's, it's a brilliant, uh, brilliant feature. On it. You should definitely check it out. With Morpheus, though, if every game became Morpheus, does that mean I no longer need a television? Because that would be quite <laughs> exciting. <laughs> uh, no, because um, there are, you know, using uh, Keep Talking as an example, Morpheus is kind of one half of the experience or one part of maybe a four player experience where other people could potentially be playing on a telly. Um, yeah, and keeping you involved. I think there'll be more games, a bit like uh, Forgotten Kids Show Nightmare, in which uh, you remember the kid had the big helmet on and yeah. he had to walk around. That would be. Oh, they should totally do a nightmare game for Morpheus like twenty years after this. Someone's going to do it. Someone's going to... There'll be a very sarcastic YouTube video of that when Morpheus comes out, or probably many. Made by Meeks. <laughs> Made by me. Man, I can just imagine like, the, the pain of someone walking into a wall, crushing that against their face. I think people are going to try and see. <laughs> Nightmare used to really freak me out. Like, when the little kids used to like fall down black holes or like... The, the one on, for me on Nightmare was that corridor with the circular saw blades that raced towards them. Mm. Every time I saw that come up, they died. Every time. And the episode used to just end quite abruptly after yeah. they died, didn't it? There was no, oh, no right. fanfare. Right, he's dead, see ya. <laughs> Join us that, next week. Do you remember that clip that did the rounds? Like, <laughs> no, we're worse for each other year. Do you remember that YouTube clip that did the rounds last year and it was someone who didn't know the difference between left and right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was <laughs> a good one. Oh, yeah. <laughs> left? Well, no, left. Death. Up. <laughs> oh, I think it was the guy who was giving the instructions, not the one receiving, but even so, he saw it out. It was incredible. He sorted it out. And also in this issue, uh, same feature, we have uh, something on Grifter, which is a new controller that is coming to PS4 that splits apart. And you can use half of it uh, in one hand and have your other hand using a mouse or a flight stick. So that, say, in Destiny, if you were so inclined, you can have like a controller half in your left hand and a mouse on your right hand so you can have PC-style controls. I imagine Phil would like that. I would like that a lot. I've always been better with mouse and keyboard in so, shooters. So Phil, check out this issue because you can. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so that's the main feature that we've got, the cover feature. But we've got tons more in this issue. We've got a really 
eye-opening interview with David Jaffa, who is the creator of God of War and Twisted Metal. He's working on a game called Drawn to Death right now. He swears a lot. We've sent <laughs> a lot, it, a lot. But there's still like, you know, if there's a an F three stars ing, kind of know what he's saying. So make sure you're old enough to read that. Um, we have a very comprehensive six-page plot catch-up for The Witcher. So The Witcher three comes out next month. Or so they tell us. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm sure um, it will. But The Witcher 1 and Witcher 2, obviously, sadly, never did come to PlayStation. So a lot of you out there are probably wondering, well, what have I missed? We're going to tell you what you've missed in this issue. Uh, you probably need to read it through like two or three times like I did to fully get your head around it because there's a lot of stuff that happens in those two games and there are branching paths, certainly in the second one, that mm. takes some explaining. But check it out if you've got any interest whatsoever in picking up The Witcher 3, which you should do, because so far we've been really impressed with it. Uh, we're just waiting to get our hands on, on the final review code and we can give you our verdict for, for sure. Um, this is a very good primer for you before you start that game. Um, and then a couple of other things that we've got this month. We've got a hands-on test of Rainbow Six Siege, the game that was you know, widely regarded as the game of E3 last year. Yeah, the, very impressive you know, first showing. surprise game at the end of their conference. Uh, well, we go. We went hands on it, hands on with it then. But we've gone hands on with the newest build. Uh, tried the new map as well. Definitely check that out. Um, what else have we got? I don't know. It's been so long. It feels. What have I got? I've got a big life. Bloodborne review. Yeah, you've got your Bloodborne review, Dave, which is a fantastic review. And um, yeah, just tell us a little bit about it. The reviewer of the game. <laughs> I do remember having to write the review very quickly because we sent the mag the very next day, so that was fun. Um, the game is fantastic. It feels like a million years since I played it. I was going to say, are you still playing it? I actually, I... I'm, well, apart from not having a telly. Apart from not having a telly, uh, I'm not currently playing it. But I am uh, watching my flatmate. This is pulling behind the velvet curtain. Or is it? Ro I always go through it. What is the velvet? What? Pulling back the curtain. I I yeah. I, I live with the, <laughs> the I live with the editor of Games Master, not Bert and Ernie style, but uh, he I am actually watching or hearing him more accurately. What has this got to do with Bloodborne? Well, no, I I'm I'm I'm, I'm hearing him play Bloodborne every night. So last night he was on a particularly difficult boss, and I must have heard his. Joe shot crash against the um, lounge table about seven or eight times in the space of 40 minutes. So I can reveal now, when I was reviewing it, thank God Matthew Gilman, who was on Games Master, was doing it at the same time. So we actually co-opted several bosses together, which made the ordeal much less torturous in places. So, But Joe's doing all the bosses on his own, which for purity's sake is admirable, but it makes it much, much more difficult. But it's a very good game. You should buy it if you have a PlayStation 4. Um, so let's have a little sneak peek behind the velvet curtain, as Meeks would say. Uh, <laughs> the next issue. Um, oh, behind the velvet curtain, diluting <laughs> juice. Uh, issue 110. God, is it that number already? It feels like we were just doing it in issue 100. 180. Uh, so issue 110 comes out on the 8th of May, which is next Friday. Is that right? Next Friday. That sounds about right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so on sales then, uh, subscribers should get their copies early. Not quite as early as usual. We have to hold it back to get the very latest stuff in. So the subscriber copies uh, are going to be delayed by a day, we think, um, in order to do what we have done this issue. But you should still be getting it before it's out in the shops. Uh, on the cover is, well, if you subscribe, on the cover is Star Wars Battlefront. 
if you buy it from the shops, on the cover is Call of Duty Black Ops 3. Uh, so we actually had to hold this over for Call of Duty because we went out there, we went to Treyarch in Santa Monica, we played it, we played it on PS4 in fact. Uh, so we have a mega feature on Call of Duty, we've got 10 pages on it, hands-on impressions, an exclusive chat with the studio head Mark Lamia, who's a very, very nice guy. I didn't do this one myself, um, but I went out for the Black Ops 2. He is a nice guy, yeah, I remember talking to Mark Lamia before, yeah. Hmm. It was fantastic. So he is good for a quote. Yes, so hopefully I'll be catching up with him at E3 and we will, we will be talking more. Uh, so we've got 10 pages on that. It's a great, great cover feature. Definitely worth checking out. We follow that up with 12 pages of Star Wars Battlefront. That's 12. I didn't misspeak. <laughs> uh, we also went out. We went out to Anaheim this time uh, to the Star Wars celebration. And while a lot of people just saw the Star Wars trailer that was showing did the rounds on the internet uh, and uh, certainly be some lags or be reporting on the game who just saw that trailer we went behind the scenes with dice and we actually saw the game uh, and we chatted with patrick back who is the head of dice so oh, this, is, this is feeling nice and special this review section two massive games like exclusive access to both exclusive chats with the, the leading men uh, for those titles and then um, and may I say that subs cover is absolutely beautiful. That's one of the very good reasons to subscribe. It is. It's also like the key art that people will have seen. But if you can imagine that on an OPM <laughs> cover, then yeah, that's what you're missing out on. But regardless of how you pick up the issues, you'll be able to see it. If you're a subs, obviously, you'll, you'll get the cover. If you uh, pick it up in shops, you'll see the subs cover on the subs pages, if that makes sense. So you can see what you're missing out on there. And then consider a subscription for the next issue which I'll do a very very small teaser on in a little bit um, and if you subscribe right now you can get a free copy of Alien Isolation so it's well worth it that is that's very a very good game as well 28 quid gets you Alien Isolation or 2849 I think if I'm being correct Alien Isolation and six months of official PlayStation that's a very good deal that's mm. impressive uh, and then we actually have another feature this issue we've got 32 pages of features the final 10 pages is of a game called The Witness which you may remember from the very first reveal event from PlayStation 4. Yes, that's right. When they did the reveal event uh, in New York, they brought out a guy called Jonathan Blow, who you may recall is the guy who made Braid, which is genuinely my favourite game. Um, it's a very good game. And he's making The Witness. He's been making this for over five years now. Five years uh, with his little team that he has. And I went hands-on with it and I spoke with him um, and I write all about it, this issue. It was a very nice moment. I've been waiting so long to play it. So to finally do it and be able to share with you what it's like so far is, uh, is really quite exciting. Uh, and that is just a tiny part of this next issue that comes out next week, even though we've got 32 pages of tons of features. We've got Guitar Hero Live Hands-On. You played it, Phil? I did. I played, uh, played a few songs. Really excited by the new controller and its new button layout. So there are three buttons across two rows this time, which does feel fresh, which is quite an achievement given how, given how sick we all were of Guitar Hero and Rock Band previously. So we've got four pages on that. We've got uh, stuff on Deus Ex Mankind Divided. We have a couple of pages on Lego Dimensions. As a Skylanders and a big Lego fan, I am going nuts for this. And I'm <laughs> also already saving up because I desperately, desperately need to buy some of these Lego sets. Uh, we've got Dissidia Final Fantasy. We have something that I cannot talk about, actually. Yeah, that's right, yeah. I'm not allowed to mention what this next thing is. 
but it's very, very, very cool. And it's a genuine exclusive to us in terms of the assets we have for it. Bam, there you go. So we shouldn't say any more. No, we so shouldn't. We'll get us in trouble. Uh, we also have, uh, oh, hands-on test of The Elder Scrolls Online. But we won't be able to bring you the review actually until it is By me, of all people, are complete MMO noob apart from Destiny. And pretty much an Elder Scrolls noob as well, apart from... 25 hours in Skyrim. So, I mean, we, we did that deliberately rather than, like, so far our coverage of The Elder Scrolls Online ha uh, has been by people who have played a lot of the PC version as well, so they know what they're talking about. And we decided we need someone who doesn't know what they're talking about. Uh, that's not <laughs> <a slide laughs> <day. laughs> But, you know, we, we realise a lot of you guys are probably in a situation where you know The Elder Scrolls, you, you liked or, or loved Skyrim. Uh, you might have played some Destiny as well, so you, you dipped your toe in the MMO waters, but you don't actually actively play MMOs. And so we wanted to write something from your perspective. Like if you like, you know, like a lot of people, if you don't have a PC and are actively playing World of Warcraft or Guild Wars 2 or whatever the MMO of choice is right now, um, but you like the Elder Scrolls, uh, sorry, yeah, you like the Elder Scrolls. the universe, yeah. You're kind of intrigued as to how you get on with this. Is it going to function as another Elder Scrolls game? Are you going to be put off by all the MMO trappings? Well, Dave does a very good job of, of telling you how he got on, and you enjoyed it. Spoiler, I did, I did enjoy it. There you go. But we've got four pages of that in, in the issue out next week as well. And we've got loads more. I can't actually go through it all because we've all run out of time. But there's some Batman in there. There's some F1 2015. We went hands on with the game. There's a wrestling game I kicked the face off. There, there is. You, you certainly drop kick that one. Uh, there's uh, our review of Mortal Kombat X or 10. It is X, isn't it? I'd X, say X. Yeah, it's X, yeah. But it's also 10. Uh, <laughs> and Phil, uh, Madman Phil, who has never really played The Last of Us, is the subject of this month's Don't Make Me Play, where we make him play The Last of Us. Oh, you God. can find out. We after, make him play. After all this time that he's been putting off The Last of Us. You can find out how he gets on. He just hates nice things. I think I think I make a compelling argument as to why I haven't played it very much. Laziness. So, <laughs> I, uh, I just need to say, like, in terms of... We, we said about subscriptions earlier. You can get one right now. It's very, 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 very worth doing right now because we have some incredibly exciting things lined up for the next few months. Um, I can't say too much. We might be able to piece together something if you're a very clever detective <laughs> from what I was playing earlier uh, but there's a lot that's going on uh, and you cannot afford to miss out on it because the next few months of OPM are going to be off the charts off the chain behind the curtain behind the velvet liquid behind the curtain velvet juice should we take some reader questions let's do it sure okay Phil do you want to be question mark I would question master for the day. Graeme Stevenson asks, and this is topical, this touches on what we were talking about before, do you see any hope at all that we will ever get a Silent Hill game we need, if not the one we deserve? Did, did, uh, nice little Dark Knight quote there. Um, I think we will get, no, this is semi-related, I do think we'll get that Kojima um, Del Toro horror game after this fallout with Konami has come out, but obviously not with Konami. And it won't be Silent Hill. And it won't be Silent Hill. But I think the game that we all wanted Silent Hills to be could still exist in some form under a new IP. In terms of the Silent Hill franchise, I don't think so. I don't think without 
Kojima's name and brand value attached that Konami certainly what would appear to be in their current financial situation would put a large amount of money on Silent Hill without a lot of name backing behind it again. I, th- I think that's fair. What I would say is that <clears throat> so Silent Hill had a couple of you know, terrible, well not terrible, but less than stellar reboot attempts. It had Downpour and it had Homecoming. Um, the Room, was that one as well? The, well, The Room was f- that wasn't quite in the era of reboots. That was right. the sequel. So like reboot era is Downpour and um, Homecoming. Another reboot of sorts that it had was Shattered Memories that came out on Wii, and I believe it came out on PS2 and PSP. Is that right? It, or, it, Sounds it vaguely correct. I, I, I might be muddling up my consoles a little bit, but I think that might be the situation. And that was really good. Uh, it had a few issues in that there were very clearly defined um, boundaries between safe zones and like, zones where you're in peril. But it did a lot of very cool things, and I have a lot of love for that game. Now, I don't think that the world of developers can be blind to the reception that PT got and to the reception that Alien Isolation got. Like, we just voted Alien Isolation as our game of 2014. By a landslide. And PT was phenomenal. Like, people went nuts for it in a way that I haven't seen anyone go nuts for a horror game since Silent Hill 2. Hmm. Even the people who will be eventually doing their Silent Hill, if they may, they might not be Del Toro, they might not be Kojima, but they cannot be blind to that fact. You'd but hope also, not. Also now, I think other people will be putting their heads above the parapet and thinking, hmm, there's room there to do something, especially now that Silent Hills has ceased to exist and it's in the form that we had hoped it would. They must be thinking, there's room to move in here. So I think we'll be getting probably a glut of these games. And that almost feels like I'm doing a disservice to the Amnesia games and, and Slender. And, and Outlast in a yeah, degree, yeah. Because I think they laid the groundwork mm. actually for PT. I think it would be unfair to say this is entirely of Kojima's making and this would never have existed without him because I think it was already halfway there anyway. So thanks to some indie studios, we're halfway there. But I think we're going to see more of it and I think we'll see some <clears throat> higher budget gambles by studios wanting to, to you know, have the success that PT had, even though that was a pre-demo. Um, so we'll get it. I just don't know if we'll necessarily get the Silent Hill name, but even Silent Hill should benefit from what we've seen. Uh, Kendall Caster, Castner, sorry, asks as for our thoughts about Morpheus being used for more than gaming. So a virtual mi- movie theater for watching movies, roller coasters, and other rides, or any other ideas we can come up with. And what's the likelihood that those ideas may be implemented? I think it's a really fantastic idea. And I think there's quite a strong chance that Morpheus will be a vehicle for more than games. It's something that the the suits at Sony have indicated right from Morpheus's reveal. I think there's and tremendous the scope. That's on sale now. Well, exactly. Literally, we have an interview with Yoshida-san in the issue that's on shelves, in which he talks about, from a selfish point of view, it wants he wanting him wanting to use Morpheus or VR, I should say, for tourism. He's getting older. He's not going to be able to travel the world as much as he gets older. Mm. He wants to be able to put on a headset and see some of the world and maybe choose like where he wants That's to go. That's a great idea. That's a really useful idea. Yeah. Um, as an educational tool, it's also invaluable, you know. Um, oh, wildlife documentaries, Morphe, it's been incredible. It kind of taps in what the deep was doing. I'm say the P word. Um, <laughs> one, one thing that we also have in the interview, because we have the interview with Dr. Richard Marks as well, 
just touched on that educational point of view, saying that you can put yourself in real-world situations to properly like, appreciate what's going on. Use the Curiosity rover as an example. Like everyone sees that Mars rover, it's like a dinky, cute little wally. It's like seven feet tall. <laughs> you, if you, if you stand next to it, it will tower above you. So it's like, oh, actually, VR can really benefit in those situations of like changing your perspective on the world and getting a better understanding of what's going on. A theme park should look in it as well. Like you should be able to do like the virtual all in towers or Disneyland because I have had, I, I did a demo, a VR demo with them. Um, a roller coaster early near and it was absolutely terrifying like to the point where my brain was being tricked into the sensation that all my limbs were actually moving so i had that complete sense of inertia that i was like corkscrewing around and like yeah it is that immersive if you actually could do that'd be amazing like a, a virtual theme park where you like walk around and then you just do all your rides like the, the walks or the roller coaster that'd be incredible it'd also make you sick everywhere but it's a small price to pay for immersion imagine the next theme park yeah. I think uh, Theme Hospital would just be disgusting and Morpheus. <laughs> yeah. Here's another hemorrhoid reduction, right? Um, on that note, Carlos Smith asks, do you think Guerrilla Games' new IP Horizon will be shown at E3 and what are our thoughts about what kind of genre it will be? based on the leaked concept art. Yes. So the leaked concept art is... Very, very dinosaurs, right? Yes, and pandas? And a sort of longbow, a mecha longbow. So it makes sense that we would see something from Gorilla EP. We don't know, to be truthful with you. We're not going to pretend that we do. Um, there is a massive gap right now at the end of 2015, thanks to Uncharted shifting to spring next year. And that has to be filled somehow. One would think or hope either Sony Santa Monica or Gorilla will be able to step up and offer offer something to fill that gap. I mean, we're only still, what, a year and a half removed from their last game, Killzone Shadow 4. So it would be kind of crazy to say this is definitely happening. But, fingers crossed, right? I'd be, I'd be hell of impressed if they can announce at E3 and launch in December with only six months. But, you know, COD and Battlefield would do it. So I... I think it will be E3 like you. Um, I also think it will be a first-person shooter because that's how Gorilla butters their bread, as it were. So I think it's going to be probably a bit more like that one level in Shadowfall, which was expansive yeah, and second or third for, level. Yeah, it will be that sort of first-person shooter. It will be a Far Cry kind of thing, but with mecha dinosaurs and and longbows instead of crossbows. That does sound good. Um, of course, it could be none of these things. Yeah, we don't know. It'll be a free to play PSP title. Like The Last Guardian. <laughs> like The Last Guardian, yeah. Um, Confirmed for Pocket Station. Daniel Maloney asks the million dollar question that comes up every few podcasts and is a fantastic excuse for me to pitch my, my game. <laughs> oh, um, God. You're not going to talk about this football thing again, are you? So, budget and time being no issue. What would be the dream game? So, what game would we make? I'll take this one for, um, for starters. So. <laughs> I've long had um, this idea, and, and to be honest, I think it's the way sports games are going now. Like it sounds increasingly plausible and less mad the longer I harp I on about I, it. I don't know what you're going to say, but I think I already know what you're going to say. Yeah, so it's basically a cross between FIFA and The Sims, right? Yeah, I think it's like so all the depth of the very best sports games, and I'm not particularly beholden to FIFA. Um, I would rather it was a basketball game or a hockey game, but you know, a sports game, right? 
the absolute pinnacle of sports games. You've got the you know the best dev team that have been working on the the very best of EA's and um, Konami's sports games across the years, and Sony's throw a few Sony devs in from the MLB the Show games. Right, the game finishes. You get in your car, you drive home. You've got a life. It, you know, thinking of games like New Star Soccer. Right, you can buy a racehorse, you can go to the races and bet on it, you can develop a drinking problem. Um, the NBA 2K games where you just hang out at your flat and then uh, Doc Rivers shows up and is like, oh, hey, you should join my team next season. Or like another, like a, just a legend of the game just turns up and is like, how's it going, man? Or um, Pharrell just shows up in his hat and is like, hey, what's, what's up? You know, it's, it's building up the lie. It's building up the conceit that you are this person that you've invested hundreds of hours in. That's the sports game that I want to play. And I, I, to be honest, I think people are going in that direction, particularly NBA 2K. There was certainly a football game There were, yeah, it was an yeah. Italian studio. Yeah, it was all a bit. That wasn't the one with Gianni Viviani linked to it, was it? Maybe I'm not was. sure. I hope for Viviani's sake it wasn't. Um, <laughs> it, I don't think it quite had the unlimited time and budget oh, going okay. in its favour. That one. Um, it would need. It would need to be. Have it would it would have to have a bigger project um, budget than like Destiny to be the sort of game that I'm imagining. But it's just five hundred one million quid <laughs> yeah. needed to fund it. Uh, I'll say mine. I've said it before. I think on oh, a really old podcast, but it for me would be uh, uh, basically an expanded version of Hitman. It'd be Hitman in an open world city, and the the kind of the real gist behind it would be you'd get your target, but you'd have to like, you'd have to almost track their whereabouts over the course of several virtual in-game days. So I'm not selling it as one giant GTA tracking mission where you've just got to fall 10 feet behind a car for three hours and end. But you would have to examine your target's day-to-day daily routine. So it'd be meaning like getting up with them when they go to work examining where they work, their daily routine, where they go for lunch, what they do after work on a Tuesday, what they have to do after work on a Thursday. And it might even be like juggling several targets at once, being time management conscious and having to be in a certain place at a certain time to pull your hits together. Um, I'm just always fascinated by the kind of mousetrap machinations that lead to amazing Silent Assassin ratings in Hitman games. I think that spread over a wider canvas where you're actually having to really you know, almost stalk a virtual life. I think that'd be absolutely fascinating. Um, I think it'd be a logistical absolute nightmare to do because it'd be giving you such a degree of player agency. It'd be almost mind-boggling. But I, yeah, I'd like to see an open world Hitman, essentially. So mm, That's good. I don't have any ideas. Like, I, I, I'm not an ideas man. Like, <laughs> I, I'm quite happy sitting back and just like, like, I'm listening to these, like, that sounds, as a big Hitman fan, like, that sounds awesome. Um, I'm just... I don't know. I, I'm quite open to just being surprised. Like I, I want people to surprise me at E3 with what I suddenly think, damn, that's my next dream game. Um, when was the last time you felt that for a game? When you're like generally completely surprised by the direction and bowled over by it? I don't know. I think there's something in the last year or so that it slipped out of my mind. So it couldn't have been like... <laughs> but the, the, I definitely had... I'm trying to think what it was. In the last few months, I mean, Destiny has captured games have for a long time um, Braid like on uh, it was on Xbox when I first played it and it eventually obviously came 
obviously that was such a you know, watermark moment for me. That was incredible. I remember sitting there working out the puzzles and thinking this is something really special. No, no, well, two guys, one guy did the Art Deco helmet, but essentially drunken bloke this was his baby and he worked on it for years and years and he was just perfecting everything, taking the time to get everything absolutely right, every little mechanic, every puzzle. Uh, and it was, it was not the game itself, it was just that level of iterating over and over and over again in the sense that there is not an ounce of fat on that game, there is not one repeated idea. Every puzzle offers something different. And just to tee up the feature that we've got in the Witness next issue, like you look at the Witness and it's effectively mist, you're on an island, you're walking around, you're solving puzzles, but all of the puzzles are just electronic mazes. You draw a line through an electronic panel and you either succeed or fail. And when I first knew it was going to be like that many years ago, I was really concerned. I was like, do I need mazes through, you know, through panels? That sounds, that sounds really dumb. <laughs> this is bad. Um, and for the longest of times, I worried about it. And then when I eventually, eventually played it, it just, about 10 minutes in, it just struck me that it really doesn't matter. It doesn't matter at all. It's like, I say in the future, it's like walking into an art gallery and complaining that every picture's in the same frame. Like, you're losing sight of what's important, and it's the creation, the, the puzzles themselves, the mechanics to solve them, the, how they were created, how they interplay with the environment. Um, and just, I walked out of that, I played it for about 20, 20 and I walked out of it just really buzzing like wow that has shown me something different and, and that totally did surprise me because I went in expecting one thing and realised well there's these whole other things that are going on that I just couldn't appreciate and you can't really appreciate just by watching it you sort of have to experience it for yourself and knowing that there are currently 677 puzzles in that game there won't be any more added there might be a handful that are cut but you know we're talking upwards of 600 puzzles and there isn't a single repeated idea you, you you have a string of puzzles say that may be similar but you've got one basic one the next one adds one extra layer of complexity the next one adds another layer of complexity and in the course of six puzzles you've been educated on a very very tough set of mechanics that if you walk up to that sixth puzzle and try and solve straight off you've got no hope you have no idea how to solve it you have no idea where to even begin, but through five previous layers of tutoring, non-verbal tutoring, it's just by playing around with it and figuring out what's going on, you suddenly learn these very, very complicated systems. And any game that can do that, and there's very few games that can do that elegantly and without any errors, and anything that can do that excites me. And so, yeah, I guess The Witness would be the game that I would is that example but in terms of me sitting here creating something off the top of my head I don't know I, I, I want that surprise I want people you know, to create those things and I will give them good money for it <laughs> and I will sit back and enjoy it uh, and that's why we make the awards and not the games indeed uh, last one's a nice concise one from Mark Nye what's the deal with all these goddamn overpriced season passes at the moment it, it, kind, of, it, it kind of feels <laughs> like they're taking the piss out of it so. Yeah, it's um, it's it's approaching full game territory for the season pass and. I mean, Batman season pass costs what? Thirty three, thirty four ninety nine, maybe it's thirty three, thirty four pounds. Black Ops Three's DLC season <coughs> pass also costs thirty five quid. You can pick up the full games for not too much more. It does for something like Batman, especially. Like Rocksteady doesn't have a history of knockout DLC. Mm. If and 
the explanation of what is in that DLC is so woolly. Like, I don't really have a hold on it. If they could say it's five hours of extra story missions, that's something I can, you know, understand. Say, okay, I appreciate why I'm having to pay so much more for that. It's just a vague, there'll be some story missions and some, some car map things, and there'll be some new villains, but I... I I no. I almost wonder if the reason why it's happened is because it's almost like, almost like making a devil's pact with the publisher and, you know, Warner Brothers have been quite understanding with, you know, the three or four delays that Arkham Knight's gone through. Maybe that was Rockstar's almost apology or, you know, that was their brokering chip that they went to the publisher and said, okay, we need another three or four months publishing, uh, publishing and then publisher might have gone back and said well fine but if we give you an extra four months development time we want all this DLC we want to monetize it like this because it doesn't seem like you know I think developers get a lot of cop for this but I think a lot of the time in these financial decisions it's, it's down to you know big wigs at the publishers so yeah absolutely that's a conversation that goes on um, I don't know it's just put up so much money up front I think unfortunately it, it succeeded on a smaller scale and now people are just pushing it to see how far they can push it exactly how, how much people are willing to spend in good faith that there will be content that's worth the money the um, core thing's insane though the game isn't out at the time of speaking what six months so you can now actually on certain formats you can buy the game for like 40 quid and you can buy the season pass so you can put 75 quid down on the game mm. and it's not in for six months I mean so, it's insane is, I, I understand the need for developers sorry for publishers to have season pass style systems or, um, or DLC in the pipeline you know, making games is an expensive business and unless you get a hit like there are big losses to be made they need to try and protect their investments as much as possible but been done in such a such a way it leaves a very bad taste in my mouth right now and i think a lot of people might echo that as well it just it's very hard to sit back as a gamer as a consumer of these products and feel all right about it uh, and you know i think there might be some hurt over the next two years on all sides i think some like with kickstarter some people got their fingers burned by backing projects that just disappeared mm. and they felt very upset about some season pass elements that mirror that. Not that they won't come out, but they aren't living up to the promise or you know, that's not worth 33 quid or 35 quid or whatever it may be and there will be some fallouts and, and whatnot. Uh, and hopefully this is a hump that we will collectively as an industry get over and try to move on from because it is, I don't know, I think it's worrying what's going on. Yeah, I think it's... The good thing about it is that we can make a statement by not doing anything. We can make a statement by not buying the season pass. Two podcasts. I mean, it's three podcasts. I can't remember. You said you are at fault for DLC because you buy it. Yeah, particularly VC. I'll buy virtual currency. Yeah, I'll yeah. I'll try and be strong, everyone. So you will and make hopefully, I will make it. Apart from with NBA Two K. Virtual um, currency. Oh, you monster. Um, but you know, it's it's economics one. I wasn't. If no one buys the um the season pass for 35 quid then publishers will be forced to respond to it and we'll probably see 20 quid season passes again and then 15 pound season passes and then maybe uh, a new infrastructure entirely that does away with the season pass structure 
and there you have it that is our podcast for this month um, thank you for listening uh, do be sure to check out the brand new issue when it is on shelves 8th of May you can't miss it it's a nice black wallet with Call of Duty logo really really big uh, and let us know what you think about the issue and the podcast on our Facebook or our Twitter email us at opmfuturenet.com uh, and send us your questions ready for the next podcast um, we will be back in a month goodbye Oh, I've still got Lil Wayne in my head. Um.